Hey folks, before we get started tonight, I just wanted to tell you all about an awesome thing that's going to be happening on March 13th, which is a Wednesday from 7 to 9 p.m. at Center Ice Brewery downtown on Olive. Uh, it will be the first, hopefully, annual Gateway Casters Cup. Uh, our good friend Jeff, a.k.a. 14th and Clark, a.k.a. the best gift maker in all of hockey, mm-hmm. uh, will be putting this on as a benefit uh, for Parkinson's research. He has a close loved one uh, who recently got diagnosed, and he wants to do something to give back. I am really excited about this event. It's an awesome opportunity uh, for all of us, obviously, to give back. Uh, But here are some of the details. So it'll be $20 per ticket. It's going to be a trivia night uh, with hockey-themed trivia, mostly, you know, blues slash hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be beer and uh, Pappy's Smokehouse available, but you'll have to purchase those separately. Um, Pappy's closes at 8, so come early if you want to get some. Obviously, St. Louisans know the deal with Pappy's. If they're out of it, they're out of it, so deal with it. Um, <laughs> but, but the fun thing is... Uh, really, that this is going to be teams of podcasts, St. Louis area, mostly blues-focused podcasts, uh, and we will be having a team. So what you need to focus on right now is if you're free, the night of March 13th, I can't speak, and if you want to join us and help us bring home bragging rights for uh, this research and or bragging rights for this tournament and donate money to Parkinson's research as well as 50% of the proceeds will go to a charity of our choosing which Ian and I haven't discussed um yeah it, we want you we want you to join the team yeah, so we need you I'm I'm yeah, being honest with we, you we, we need, need you, you. seriously you've, Jesus you've you. heard us fumble for random hockey trivial yeah. on this if podcast this is like a time thing we desperately we're screwed <laughs> is it a writing thing also screwed yeah it's if it's anything we're screwed without your Please help booyah so Hit us up on Twitter, uh, obviously, at Two Guys No Cup. You probably follow us there. Let us know if you're free, if you want to join. Uh, we'll get you registration information. It will be 20 bucks. Um, we need to get people registered because uh, there's no guarantee that there will be seats at the door. It's kind of a small venue, and we're trying to get this thing started this year so it can hopefully grow. Uh, there will be awesome raffle prizes, all sorts of stuff we can clue you in on. But for now, we just need to know that you'll be there helping us out. We've got the two of us and Avs correspondent Jordan possibly on board. You can meet Avs correspondent yeah. Jordan. He's He'll be a- there with his fedora on <laughs> and his pencil and pad. He's a quiet, nefarious character, and you'll get to know him. Uh, You'll be the first person to meet him since his fifth grade teacher. (laughs) He's lived indoors since then. Uh, But, yeah, just let us know. Hit us up on Twitter, please. And uh, we can do this awesome event together and give money to charity, and it will be cool. Thanks to Jeff for setting it all up. You'll be hearing a lot more about it in the coming uh, days and weeks. But for now... At Two Guys No Cup, drop us a line. First come, first serve. We'll get you on the team. Come on down. And now, back to your regularly scheduled podcast. What's up, everything? 
The Blues took the ice against three of the league's worst teams this week and still managed to have mixed results. Are you the least bit surprised? We'll break down all the action. And in other very surprising news, Peter Shirelli was fired by the Edmonton Oilers after years of total mismanagement. The good news is there's another hot bachelor for those who want to see Doug Armstrong fired. We can't wait, so neither should you, so let's get started and let's go Blues! back everyone this is the two guys no cup podcast it is friday january 25th we are coming to you from our space agey studios in the apple headquarters in silicon valley just outside of the nhl all-star competition which they will not let us into Mm -hmm. they know that we're too good to take the ice we would win best podcasters in a heartbeat (laughs) but here we are in the apple hq taking over the world one lightning part part one lightning (laughs) port and overpriced wireless headphone at a time ian how are you doing tonight i'm doing well do you think they're this afternoon because we're in california oh yeah (laughs) in calabasas no you said silicon valley (laughs) yeah well they're all the same well people are gonna start thinking we're not where we say we are Mm -hmm. when we're recording these do you think the Apple headquarters looks like an Apple store, just ginormous and like probably twenty yeah. floors? Okay. Yeah. So I have to wait in line when I show up and I go, "Hey, <laughs> can you fix this iPhone?" They go, "Well, let me just use my little space agey little thing here that's replaced a, I don't know, me behind a desk, and I will mm. click on it, and I you're twentieth uh, in line, go wander on the mall for about four or five hours, go and then we'll tell you you need to buy a new phone. Go test some products yeah. and. Uh... We're never going to get back to that. Yeah, I think that's about right. Mm. Have you ever been in a Microsoft store? Do those exist? They do. I've been to Micro Center. Does that count? Oh, it's much nicer. No, Micro (laughs) Micro Center is much nicer. Microsoft stores are just like Apple stores 10 years ago. So it's like a circuit city. (laughs) They've just, they've started really late. (laughs) That's good to know those exist. Um... So yeah, we've got a, a busy night of news ahead of us and some blues discussion. This is probably going to be one of our more league discussion-y episodes, so for those that don't like it, deal with it. And we love you, and please stay, and we're sorry. There's blues uh, news. There's plenty of blues to discuss, but we're going to be start by discussing some other news. Ian, in the spirit of the NHL All-Star competition, all-star skills competition, who do you think would win if the GMs lined up and had a race for worst possible return for Taylor Hall? (laughs) Who do you think would win if uh, we had a race for drafting the wrong people with first overall picks? (laughs) You have any guesses? I think it'd be Peter Shirelli. Ironically, Peter Shirelli would be the Connor McDavid of this race. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. So yes, Peter Shirelli was finally, officially fired in the mercy killing that we've all been waiting for for so long. Under cover of midnight, uh, during the Oilers game against the Red Wings on, 
Wednesday, Tuesday, earlier this week sometime. Um, I guess it's a surprise that they did it in season. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the biggest surprise that made all of this such a just a chaotic mess is the Miko Koskinen signing that came like 36 hours before this news. Uh, the the Oilers extended Miko Koskinen uh, at the tune of, I believe, three years, $13.5 million for an annual average value of $4.5 million per season, which, for those keeping track at home, yes, is more than Jake Allen is being paid. Ian, would you mind looking up some of Miko Koskinen's stats and his less than 30 games of NHL experience? I will do my best. For those who don't know, Koskinen is the KHL goaltender uh, who is about 30 years of age that came over on a cheap deal to be the backup this year, and actually signing him was one of Chiarelli's better bargain moves as the uh, general manager of the Oilers, so of course he had to go and ruin it because he didn't want a, a bright spot, a blemish rather, on his otherwise disgusting track record. He's been playing backup, right, to Talbot. So he's more or less the starter now. I mean, I think this was the final nail in the, his being the starter coffin, but he started as the backup, yeah. Okay. And whether or not he's played great or Talbot just played poorly, he's now... Talbot has certainly played yeah. poorly. There's no dis- no question of that. So in Koskinen's <laughs> 28 games with the Oilers this year... He has started 25 of them, so then he's played, he's been in a replacement and relief of Cam Talbot in three of them. 14 wins, 11 losses. Let's see. <clears throat> Goals against, 71. Save percentage, uh, 9.1, or .91, so that's all right. Goals against average, 2.79. He's definitely playing better than Talbot. I've seen Talbot's numbers, and they're not fantastic. So Talbot is just a steaming train wreck. I mean, he really is. He's uh, So I actually happen to have goalie stats for the whole league in front of me. Amongst starter-ish goaltenders, mm-hmm. he was 33rd in saves per, save percentage, right behind Jake Allen with an 8.96. 32nd in goals against average uh, with a 3.17. He is 32nd in goals saved above average, which is a advanced statistic that basically measures your saving against other goalies saving with a negative nine, which is not so good, and uh, quality start percentage, which is the percentage of starts you have where your uh, save percentage is at or above the league average for the year, is dead last, 36th, with a 333, 1-3. So, not great, uh, but Koskinen, I almost said Rantanen, that would have been a big promotion. <laughs> Koskinen, in those same last two categories, has a 458 quality start percentage, so still less than half, which is anything under five is considered pretty bad. And then... Um, Koskinen also has a 3.18 goal save above average, which is respectable, but nothing uh, particularly impressive, and that puts him at 18th. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, <clears throat> I don't know. There's always the outside chance that the Koskinen signing 
looks super great in the long run. But I just don't see it. And the fact that it puts him, you know, right above Jake Allen uh, for next season. I'm trying to look up the goalie rankings. But mm-hmm. it put him right above Jake Allen for next season, which would have him at 17th in the league, right behind Craig Allen, Craig Anderson, Ben Bishop, Frederick Anderson, Pekka Rene. Uh, as the company he's keeping with that number. It's just a baffling move. But really, I mean, we don't have to focus on Koskin, and the real news is you let ostensibly your GM sign a contract on Tuesday and mm-hmm. fire him on Thursday and claim... or Wednesday. I mean, he signed it on Monday or Tuesday and got fired on Wednesday. And then you claim... On your press con- during your press conference on Thursday that you knew all along that he was being fired. It's just a really bad look, and then there are conflicting reports that, you know, he signed the contract on his own, basically, or he didn't have any input in the contract signing, and then at the press conference they said... It was a mutual yeah, thing, and it's like, they all agreed. what's the real story here? And if it is a mutual thing... What's wrong with you guys? Yeah. yeah, it looks bad either way. Either Shirelli made the decision on his own, and it's like, why are you letting this GM you're about to fire make this decision? Or you said, oh, this sounds a good idea, and that makes you look bad as ownership anyways because you said, yeah, we, we agree with this decision as well. So we've kind of talked about it and touched on it before, but getting rid of Shirelli is a first step. It's a good step. Mm-hmm. It's one step of about, I'm going to say like 20. Yeah. That Edmonton needs to do to be able to dig themselves out of the hole that they're in, that they've been in for like <clears throat> 10 plus years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so here's the thing. I mean, going into the, let's kick it back to last off season. I'd say it was a pretty even boat race for worst GM in the league between <laughs> Shirelli uh, Pierre Dorian mm-hmm. in uh, Ottawa and Mark Bergevin, arguably, in Montreal. Bergevin pulled way back. I mean, he slammed oh, yeah. on the whatever water breaks are. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> and with the with the Domi trade, which we all panned at the time, but that worked out really, really well. And mm-hmm. the, um, the Ready trade seems to be doing okay for the organization. I mean, he really pulled out of it. Even just drafting uh, Kakanyemi. Yeah, yeah. That was a bold decision that worked out for him. So all of that stuff. And even Dorian, arguably, I mean, he hasn't done much. The... Carl, the, his summer was a disaster with the Hoffman and Carlson trades, mm-hmm. but since then he's at least not made it any worse. <laughs> I was say yeah, he's been idling it bad. Yeah, and so Chiarelli just skated right on past <laughs> uh, to switch from water to ice, and uh, yeah, I mean it's so. But the question is, I know we're kind of all over the place. I think the question is how, why is there any hope that this will get better? In Ottawa. And I don't think there is. So let's pull up Ottawa's front office. Or not Mm -hmm. Ottawa, I said Ottawa twice. Edmonton's front office. Uh, Because there's a worrying trend (laughs) going on in the Edmonton Oilers front office. And that trend is that everyone involved is either a former Oilers GM or someone with the last name Gretzky. So the... (laughs) Current um, interim GM is Keith. Is that his first name? I think. Keith Gretzky. 
Uh, so weird. Who's Wayne's non-talented brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wayne Gretzky is the vice chairman of the Oilers Entertainment Group. Obviously an iconic player. Has actually shown no ability to manage or coach at the NHL level with any success. Mm-hmm. But he gets a job because he's Gretzky. That's fine, I guess. Um, Kevin Lowe is the vice chairman uh of the Oilers Entertainment Group and alternate governor. He's a former GM, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, above Gretzky was Shirelli, but obviously he's gone. Above them is Bob Nicholson, who is a former GM of the team, or was he not with the Oilers? I'm not sure. They have Craig McTavish in there somewhere, too, who used to be the GM, yeah, I believe. Yeah, Craig McTavish is involved as well, although he's not on this page. It's just... It's this brain trust, if you could call it that. That's a generous <laughs> term. It's this something trust. And then atop it all is Daryl Cates and his millions of dollars and millions of follicles of goofy-ass hair. <laughs> and this picture of him makes him look 70 years younger than he actually wow, is. Wow, yeah, I didn't know he ever looked like that. Um, but yeah, Steve Dangle made a really good analogy this week. And he was talking about how players, when they retire, collect kind of trophies, tokens, if you will, of um, their playing career. You know, they get, they trade sticks or jerseys with other players Mm -hmm. or they collect, you know, they had their first goal and their hundredth goal or whatever, all that stuff. And and when they want to reminisce about their career and how great it was, they pull that stuff out and look at it and, you know, tell stories and whatever, and that's all great. And he basically said, for the Edmonton Oilers front office, the token is the Edmonton Oilers. Because every person involved there is either a former GM front office member and or a former player from the 80s era when they were great, and they're just looking at it and they're saying, oh, look at how great this team is. Like, it's almost like a shadow box, except they keep shaking it (laughs) to see if it's going to get better, and surprisingly, it doesn't. And I just don't... They have Connor McDavid, the best player in the world, with due respect to Sidney Crosby, by a wide margin right now. Mm -hmm. Sidney Crosby is phenomenal, but aging, and I don't think it's especially close anymore between those two. Mm Mm-hmm. You could argue Crosby's behind Kucherov and McKinnon at this point, but I'm not trying to get mired down in that. They have the best player in the world. They have a very adequate, not would be a number one center on most any other team in Leon Dreisaitl. Mm-hmm. They have at least two really solid defenders in uh, Clefbaum and Nurse. They have... A third amazing center who could be a, a great number two on most teams and a number one on a lot of teams in Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And then they have no one else. That's the, that's the entire team. That's all they've got. So how do they attain someone else? Well, how do they you get... think, well, we, you just trade. You know, mm. you just trade somebody. Who do they trade? Well, let's pull up their cap friendly, shall we? As long as we're doing yeah. it. I feel like on 31 Thoughts this week, um, Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman talked a lot about Peter Shirelli, as you should, because it's a big 
story. It's the biggest story in the NHL right now, and especially heading into the All-Star break. It's kind of what's on the top of everyone's mind that's paying attention to the league. But they talked about it a lot, and they're trying to figure out what Edmonton should do. And Elliot talked a lot about different players, kind of like you just did, that Edmonton has and wants to build around. And I think, yeah, you can. those are all great pieces to build around, and you want them there. But to get other pieces, to get wingers, to get a serviceable goaltender if Koskinen, you know, also fails for them, you got to give to get. And their drafting history hasn't been all that great. And they have Pugliarvi, they have Yamamoto, um, Nicholson. Nicholson, is that his name? Bob Nichols, or is it Nichols? Oh, yeah, Nichols. Nicholson. The, Nicholson, okay. I, I thought you Jack were still Nicholson. listing players, and so, I was like, what? Who? Um, <laughs> Maybe. But Nicholson I've, said that he was. they were going to let... Young players now, like, over-ripen, I believe is the term, uh-huh. down in Bakersfield. And yeah, but that's he also not the best AHL team either, though. They He also said they're all in on the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. According to Corey Promham, who admittedly is just one voice, but a pretty knowledgeable one, they have the 22nd-ranked farm system. They've got Kyler Yamamoto and Evan Bouchard are their two really good prospects. Mm-hmm. And then they've got three guys who are legit NHL prospects, and then the rest he describes as have a chance or below. Their cap friendly is a waking nightmare. They've got um, twenty one million tied up in Drysidle and McDavid because yet another failure of Shirelli's tenure. He signed the McDavid contract before signing Drysidle like a friggin' moron. <laughs> they have six million per season locked up in Milan Lucic for four more seasons. This is a guy who has like four goals in his last hundred games or something mm-hmm. like that. They have six million a season locked up for three more years in Ryan Nugent Hopkins, which is a perfectly reasonable contract for that player, but not to be your third center, not even to be your second center if Dreisaitl's playing on McDavid's wing. You know, they've got over $4 million committed for three seasons to Adam Larson, who's not good, and who they traded for, uh, or who they traded Taylor Hall for. They've got $4 million per year for three seasons locked up in Chris Russell, who's terrible. He's not even playing for him. They've got Andre Sequeira on long-term IR for five and a half for three more years. I don't need, I think he's basically retired. Yeah, he's gone. They threw Ryan Spooner in the minors. That's, for the record, that's the punctuation mark at the end of the sentence the Edmonton Oilers traded Jordan Everly for. Mm-hmm. That's how the sentence <laughs> starts, and then it ends, and now Ryan Spooner is in the minors, period. <laughs> they have three they have two buyouts uh, over a million a million and a third on Benoit Pouliot for the next 3 years. So I don't know what god awful contract that started out as, but it's bad. <laughs> it's just this team is a disaster. It's funny that they say they really want to make the playoffs this year cuz it feels like you're in a car, a nice fancy car and they're punching the gas and there's just no gas. Like what is what is coming up behind this team to you know push it into the playoffs? You have kind of you've got some really outstanding players, but we've seen that if you have a cast that sucks around them, they're not going to make it. 
That's and that's what blows me away is they go, oh well, like we're gonna try and we can probably make it. You can't because you didn't last year and then the year before that with nothing around these guys. Nothing's different other than the GM's gone. The other day I was driving down the highway and I was trying to put on cruise control. And I I kept trying and it kept like really lurching. You know, like I'd I'd get up to speed and I hit the cruise control button and then it'd like lurch and slow down really fast. Mm-hmm. And I got to that point where I was like, oh, cool, either my cruise control is broken or my transmission's dying on me on the highway. <laughs> and I look over, and the car's in third gear. Or four, you know, it's, yeah, not, yeah. it's not in automatic. It's not in drive. And it's like, I feel like that's how they're running their organization. <laughs> like, the organization's in first gear, and they're trying to say, no, 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 we're in cruise control, we're fine. And now they're saying, on the one hand, well, we aren't, you know, we're we're letting people over-ripen, we're pumping the brakes, we're taking our time, we're doing things the right way. And then on the other hand, they're saying, we still really think we're a playoff contender this year. And which of those obviously competing business models for lack of a better term, do you think is going to win out when they're hoping to get season ticket sales renewed at a billion dollars a pop and trying to sell out, renew three-year leases on their suites, on their executive suites, because that new arena is three years old already? Which of those do you think is going to win out? It's not going to be bide your time and wait for the playoffs mm-hmm. the, or, and, you know, accept missing the playoffs. This team hasn't made the playoffs in, or they've made the playoffs once in 13 years. The last time they went to the playoffs was the, I think they got to the conference final run with McDavid. Maybe it's just the second round. second round. Yeah. But it was like a seven game series maybe or something. Yeah. I think against the Ducks. Yeah. And then before that they were in the Stanley Cup final in like 2005 with Chris Pronger. Mm-hmm. Literally Chris Pronger. That was the year he was traded was the second to last time the Oilers were in the cup. Yeah. Before or, or after, were in the playoffs yeah, at all. After 2006 they've won one round. That's it. One playoff round. That's pathetic enough, and then you can look at how many times they just made the playoffs. But, I mean, you could say they made the playoffs every year, which they didn't, and lost in the first round every year. They which didn't they make did. the playoffs any year. Yeah. But, yes. Then they went in there, and they Your lost in the second round. still well said. They have no cap space now. They have no cap space next year. Who's coming off the book for next year? Tobias Ryder, who's an RFA, I don't know what his stats are. Jesse Puyi-Arvey's an RFA, so his contract's going up. Ty Ratty, okay, they can unload Ty Ratty's $800,000 salary. <laughs> Jujar Kyra's coming up. He's That dude's owed 2 to $3 million that they don't have, so he's gone. I'll take him. We talked about that. Yeah, I'd love him. Alex, Alex Chiasson, who they gave like an entry-level deal to... Is has 17 goals on the year, is not going to resign there for free. <laughs> Tobias Reeder, who they got as a goal scorer, zero goals, 
for the 36 games, nine assists. Not great. No. I mean, they brought him to be a goal scorer on the wing. And can you not already see this team trading for... Or, or can you not already see them signing uh, Chiasen for four by four, four for 16, and then him just falling to pieces? Like, that's a, a classic Oilers move. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, we can keep going here. We can dwell here. Yeah. If this wasn't Edmonton but, and it wasn't Connor McDavid, if it was Florida and it was Alexander Barkov, Let's say because uh-huh. I think this will happen too. People will be like, "Oh, they'd be a lot more people talking about." Well, you're going to have to trade your big guy if mm-hmm. you want to just restart this. And because they're in Florida, because it's not the best player ever, they have to go. Oh, well, that small market team with that pretty good player, really great player, but not amazing, is just going to have to restart by trading them. But because it is Edmonton in Canada, and it's Connor McDavid, it's a no-go. And I understand that. For now. Yeah, I understand that, but then I think you're looking at the next guy. I think you... Leon Dreisaitl, baby. They can't... I don't know... They had a fight. Sorry to interrupt you, but they had... Actually, you finish your point. I was just going to say, I don't know where they start with this. Yeah. They have to get good magically, or they have to draft people that they can put in this team immediately, or they have to really hit on UFAs. Or they have to really hit on amazing trades. But again, that's trading people that you probably want to keep and build around. If you're trading youth for youth, I don't see the point necessarily. Because mm-hmm. you have some youth you could use. It, I don't know where you start. This is a maze with no start. I don't know where it is. They were, we'll say this and then we can move on and try to talk about the Blues. Because I'm sure we'll weave our way back here. But they were having a, a debate on spit and chicklets. And Paul Bissonette basically said they've wasted Connor McDavid's prime years in this team. And some of the other guys got up in arms and were like, no, 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 he's 22. They're not wasting his prime years. And he's like, no, I'm saying they need to start a four or five year rebuild here. Mm -hmm. And by the time they're even ready to contend again, he will be 27, 28, 29, which in the modern day NHL is... The tail end of your prime. I'm with that a thousand percent. You got to look at him and you got to figure out how do we fix the. We have to fix it first, but how do we fix this like fast but intelligently? I don't think there's any way you have to trade dry settle. And not even like you don't even, you can't even demand fair value for him because his contract's bad. Mm -hmm. You just have to get eight million dollars off the books. Lucic, you're screwed. You're screwed. You did that to yourself, and you're screwed. Mm. <laughs> you can either take $6 million, take your lumps for the next three years, or you can buy them out and take $4 million for the next decade. Lucic, but you're screwed. Lucic has 12 points, 5 goals, 7 assists, and 50 games. He had 34 points last year in a full 82-game season. He had 50 the year before that. That's just been a spiral downward. Chris Russell, you're screwed. Yeah. There's just, I mean, there's nothing here. There is nothing here outside of Connor McDavid to be excited about. Would, would, I really like Leon Dreisaitl. I think he's a good player. Would mm-hmm. we even talk about him if it was, if he wasn't on this team? 
with as many insane young talents on the there are in this league right now, I don't even think he's top fifteen. And with due respect, I really like him as a player, but I don't think he's top fifteen. I think he's way behind McKinnon and you know obviously all those guys, but he's behind the Braden Points and the. Yeah, David Pasternak's and all of these guys. You know, it's just. I'd say he's board. It seems weird to say, but I think he's like borderline elite. Like he's an elite player, but I honestly think there could be a season or two here where he's just kind of he's good. He's a great player, which is fine. But like for what they peddle him as up there, or to the rest of the NHL, is like, oh, he's just like a step or two by McDavid. He's amazing, and it's like, well. Let's see him do it. Yeah. Let's... If we have to say every time we ever talk about Pat Maroon, and it's a fair criticism, mm-hmm. but if we always have to say, well, he'll never be what he was with McDavid, maybe we should say that about Leon Dreisaitl, too. Mm-hmm. You know? I just, for, for, for point of humor, if you bought out Milan Lucic after this season, it would cost you 3.7 next year. 5.6 the season after that, 4.1 the season after that, 5.6 the season after that again, and then 625000 <laughs> against the cap until 2027. So congratulations, Peter Shirelli. Now let's talk about how this relates to the Blues, because that's all that really matters. One of the names that is consistently popping up on the list of people who could possibly replace Peter Torelli is our very own and much beloved Doug Armstrong. Um, There are a lot of reasons for this. The kind of most obvious one is that uh, he is friends with Bob Nicholson. They have a history with Hockey Canada and uh, they have a strong relationship. Armstrong is believed to want to manage a Canadian club at some point. That's probably not much of a stretch for any Canadian-born general manager. Yeah, it's like all of them. Um, that is a factor. And then, um, obviously, currently, there's the relationship with Hitchcock there as well, whether or not Hitchcock stays after this season. Mm-hmm. Even if he doesn't, you know, they could bring him into the organization, and he is from Edmonton. So, um, and then the the flip side is he obviously just was extended by the Blues, but maybe after a, another, a second tough season in a row, maybe if the Oilers call up Tom Stillman, he'll say, oh, yeah, you can bail me out of this contract I signed take the money off my books, take our GM, and we'll sign one of the young hotshot candidates that there will be this year. I don't think it's very likely. I think it's a little bit of deus ex machina if it happens. I am still one of the more ardent Armstrong supporters overall. Mm -hmm. Um, But what do you think about that possibility? It seems awfully weird that it's been brought up by, like, multiple people. Mm-hmm. That, like, Armstrong could be a candidate. I first saw Armstrong, and I thought they were just talking about Bill Armstrong. Yeah. Honestly, I was like, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, it was, like, Doug Armstrong, and I've 
honestly, I'd like check Twitter real quick because I'm like, did we like low key fire Doug Armstrong <laughs> or whatever? Um, it'd be, I, yeah. I mean, like you said, he's got connections up there. I don't know what they're going to end up doing with Hitchcock after this season, but boy, oh boy, that seems like slightly enticing if we got rid of him for him to go up there and rejoin Hitchcock too. They can have a little cry about that or whatever. <laughs> um, and as bad a situation as it is, as Jeremy Rutherford pointed out in his um, chat the other day, it still is Connor McDavid, you know. Mm-hmm. That's always the one thing that makes this team remotely relevant. Uh, I don't think it'll happen, but I don't know what, what GM candidates are out there. I guess there's some young guys, some Mark unproven Connor guys. Mark is a big one. Um yeah, I mean, the guy in uh, the Vegas assistant GM is a big one. Uh, there's some other guys. I know Iserman's going to Detroit, like, 100%, but I think it'd be really cool if somehow he's like, oh, I'm going to the Oilers now. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Maybe yeah. I do believe in this weird little rebuild you're going to do. <laughs> if it's you, Stevie Y, yeah, I'll anything is possible. <laughs> you can score from anywhere, can't you, you son of a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I will say on... Doug Armstrong is just caution. And I've said this before and I will get off my high horse. But for those of you who are ardently in the fire Doug Armstrong immediately camp, I would caution you about that logic, particularly now that Peter Shirelli is a free agent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because you may not think it's possible. But no other free agent GM will have a Stanley Cup ring. Oh. I would bet a limb that Peter Shirelli will general manage somewhere in the NHL again. Don't let it be here. Don't take the risk. Mm-hmm. I, and that's my only point. I think Armstrong's tenure, he hasn't had enough success here playoff-wise over the long haul, and it's time, it's close to time at least, for it to come to an end. I'm, I'm copacetic with all of that, but just be careful assuming that getting rid of Armstrong is the magic pill that fixes this team, because I would say there is a 90% chance that his replacement is at best no better than him. Mm-hmm. He'll have a different vision, and maybe his different vision works, but the chances of hiring a much better GM than Doug Armstrong seem very slim to me. So I guess from there we can sort of move on and talk about, I mean, we'll have other league news to discuss towards the end, uh, but we can talk about the Blues' strange up-and-down week this week. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, so this was really the Bad Team Express choo-choo did that sound convincing? <laughs> um, Very good. <laughs> we played Ottawa, the Kings, and the Ducks, who have combined for seven total goals on the season, all of them scored by Hot Sam Batcho. The Blues beat the Ottawa Senators on the 19th last Saturday by a final score of 3-2. to two. Is that correct? That sounds right. Let's say buy it. it is. Goals. Uh, Nick Paul opened the scoring because Vince Dunn is bad. Uh, there were three blues below the goal line. Bodker made a quick pass in front. Bodker has a ton of assists this year. 
Still not a very good player, but good for him. <laughs> and uh, Bennington probably should have made this save. He got most of it. Didn't keep it from going in, but the defense did break down. Vladimir Tarasenko, however, uh, fired a wicked shot off an ensuing faceoff win about three minutes later to tie the game. The first period ended with shots 9-6. to six. The defense chased a lot, a lot, a lot. Our defense chases. That's... A lot. That's a theme. They should name our defense Alex Chaseyan because that loosely connects to the conversation we were just having. I think his name actually is Chaseon. Oh, is it? Yeah. There we go. See, I did it. And we are chasing on to the second period. <laughs> boo. <laughs> Very good. Boo. Oh, that was an ooh, not a boo. Excellent. Sure, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you got um, it. There was a really good play here where uh, Pareko held off, not Keith Kachuk. Which one is this, Brady? Brady. Okay. What's the other one's name? Matthew. Good. We did it. And his wife, Chantel. I'll oh, never yeah. forget. Oh, the matriarch of the whole clan. Look, I'm, I don't so know what she looks like. I just know that name will so never leave my brain. It's so clear that Darren has the hots for the way he's like, oh, Chantel. Oh, what a powerful woman she is. Mm. <laughs> you know how Darren Pang talks? <laughs> Holy jumping is right. I'd let her give me the old nine of hearts. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, so Pareka literally holds Kachuk uh, off and brushes a puck off the goal line to keep a goal out. Uh, he says that Brady looked at him and said, I needed that one, and he laughed. <laughs> um, which, what, you're you looking at a, a experienced defenseman in the NHL as a pimply 17-year-old kid and saying, I needed that one. <laughs> you didn't shoot it in good enough, Brady. <laughs> uh, after this, Vladdy took a really hard tumble into the boards, but was fine, and Vince Dunn scored his fifth goal of the season, a career high in two seasons. Hey. I think it technically ties a career high. Um, hey, career highs over his whole career. Indeed. That's his whole long career. Uh, it was a nice slap shot. It was good to see that he can take a slap shot because no one else on this period, on this period, on this team can. I'm period. Feel, I feel off tonight. Sorry, everyone. Let's get it into gear. What do you think about comparing Kevin Wow, Shattenkirk <laughs> to Vince Dunn? I almost said Kevin Dunn. Oh, okay. I was Is still like, who's a Kevin? Yes. Yeah, sure. Cool. I don't know. I think I'm confusing Kevin Hart and Adam Sandler's friend. Kevin whatever. <laughs> what do you I think am, about Kevin Shattenkirk and Ben Stone? <laughs> I was like, I am up a river. <sighs> um, they're both defensemen. You know what? I think Vince Dunn seems a little more dynamic. Mm-hmm. I think Kevin Shattenkirk, although... Kevin James. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the King of Queens? King of Queens is a great sitcom name by the way did it take you as long as Too it took me to get that? okay oh yeah, yeah okay i was yeah. like king of queens i'm like oh because he's like plays cards or something i don't he's know got a hot wife he's got a wife yeah king of those queens and yep. i was like oh um, one of the boroughs a double on top i'm from like i got it st louis <laughs> <laughs> king of ladue i don't know whatever that's Much johnny like- wandoff 
Oh, man, if we could have just skipped to the next game, I would have been like, much like Phil Ledoux scored a goal. <laughs> but I can't do well, transitions good. that well. Well, Kevin Shattenkirk and Vince Dunn. <laughs> um, I think Kevin Shattenkirk was a little bit more of a quarterback, and maybe Vince Dunn will grow into that. That's what I said. I think Vince Dunn is a little more speedy and dynamic and, I guess, like, did you read Hard the to tweets down. from the mutual account that we share that you easily could have treated? I honestly did not. <laughs> Look, I don't get on that Twitter ever, except sometimes I do. Low-key like. Um, one of our followers, I just like to think people can't tell the difference between us. Anyway, one of our followers made the comparison to Shattenkirk. I'm sure not the first, not to discredit that person. Let's say he was the first. Screw everyone else. He follows us. He was the first. Uh, but in any case, made that comparison. And I, I agree exactly with what you said. I think Dunn needs to re- mature a little bit more as a distributor. He shows some insane flashes of brilliance, mm. uh, but he doesn't do it consistently enough yet. Uh but he certainly has the ability to enter a gaseous state and just let people go through <laughs> him on defense. So that's a good start. Mm-hmm. That's uh, a power he, you want. If he wants to lock down that Shattenkirk comparison. That wasn't Vince Dunn. That was a fart in the shape of Vince Dunn. <laughs> um, so the third period started. <sighs> and things happened. Magnus Payarvi scored a shorthanded goal. Not on a wraparound, mind you. Equally good ridiculous, but not a wraparound, so good for him. Fifth of the season. Ooh. Not a big deal. He's no um, Oscar Sunquist, though. No, no Oscar Sunquist. Uh, Zach Smith and Dylan DeMello of being traded for Eric Carlson fame on the wow. assists here. Oof. Yeah. There you go. And anyway, this was a... Uh, <laughs> you're, you're killing me. And we've lost it completely. Uh, the Sins had control on our power play, which is what you always want. And DeMello dumped it in deep off the far boards, and Smith got it in on the wall. He slapped it in front for a deflection off the skate, past Bennington, uh, off of... Uh, our fellas, Kate, Magnus Payarvi's skate, and Petrangelo was helpless to stop the pass in front. Just a bad look all around. Any thoughts? Yeah, I thought Petrangelo looked completely lost on this one. I don't know if Magnus Payarvi is just that fast, Ooh, which he he's is. he's trying! <laughs> yeah, he sure was. <laughs> I don't think he just knew that anyone was coming in behind him. Which I get. It's a short, it's like a shorthanded attempt. You might just think this guy's trying to kill time along the boards, but man, someone yell at you. I mean, I don't know, just have more awareness. Of course someone's skating in down the middle of the ice to try and tap one in. It's like you saw him coming. It was a two-on-two, I believe. It wasn't a two-on-one at that point. Yeah, I think our last guy was trailing, but... I don't know, man. It, yeah, it looked it looked nasty, especially because this, what, tied it up 2-2. You're playing the Sens. The Sens aren't very good. Granted, the Blues don't have the best record this year, yada, yada. But I still think, on oh, paper, God. we're a better team than they are. So it was not a great look to be most pretty much entering the third period tied up. I'm just re-watching our uh, wonderful gift maker, Jeff's amazing gif. And, God, it just nutmegged. Petrangela so bad, just mm-hmm. right through the legs and yeah. off Payarvi's skates. He's had a couple of those this year. Petran, I believe he'll bounce back. I believe he has it in him. He's. I he's still think he's a good defenseman, but man, he's had some. He's had more gaffes this year than ever. Yeah, for sure. Get him out of here. No, I'm just kidding. Get um, him gone. 
<laughs> you know what defenseman we need to keep forever, though, is big old Boom Boom Carl oh, no. Gunnarsson, who continued his career-long five-game point streak <laughs> with his second goal of the season, Ryan O'Reilly assisting and committing criminal offenses, according to Guy Boucher and Pat Maroon helping as well. Um, Maroon fought a puck here out of Anderson's ostensibly glove, but not really. And uh, he got it behind to O'Reilly, who backhanded it to Gunnarsson, who uh, opened a big ol' shot and scored. Uh, the Sins challenged this. Guy Boucher said after the game, 150%, this is a dead play. He said it like a Bond villain in a mm-hmm. French accent, but I can't do it in a French accent, so... He said, this is a dead play, and then the rest of it, I'm just doing it in American. But anyway, he says, I don't know how much a goalie can make more of a save than that, than putting his hand on it, and it's queer. Uh, It's not queer. It's no more queer than your English is, Guy. Uh, (laughs) To me, there was just not really a strong argument that he had control here. Well, he had the the puck semi-covered, but they have players always whacking up pucks that are completely covered, and if that's not allowed to be done, if you're not allowed to just knock a puck out from being covered like that, then why even coach players to try to do that in the first place? Yeah. If you can and they didn't whistle it dead, then it's still a live play. That's the whole point. Whatever. Yeah, I don't get it. I get what he means. Maybe he's saying, oh, they should whistle it, but they didn't. So They didn't whistle it, so whatever. It's not interference to take it out of his glove. Then. And that's the thing. I don't even think, like... He didn't pick it up in his glove. He's trying to cover it on the ice. Yeah. And it's bouncing around. They didn't whistle it, so they couldn't have reviewed it and then, like, pre-whistled it. Yeah, they can't go, oh, he did cover it. You'd say, yeah, he did cover it. And we never blew (laughs) the whistle, and then you got scored on. like how the NFL fined that guy today who hit the the pass interference, and they're just like, yeah, we're not going to own up to our mistake or fix anything, Mm -hmm. but hey, he owes us 26 grand now. For two seconds, it's really going to be like 60 seconds. I watched that... Ram Saints game mm-hmm. with my dad, mm-hmm. and when that happened, my dad was like, "Oh, this crowd's going." He didn't see it like in real time quite as well, and he was like, "Man, this crowd's going to try and call anything as like interference." This whole crowd just doesn't know what they're looking at, or yada yada. And then they watched replay, and my dad goes, "Oh," <laughs> <laughs> and that was like it. an old spirit yeah, left like, yeah, like, like, Oh, <laughs> yeah, like a ghost. man. Was that a safety? I'm, I'm trying to remember all my whatever. Safety whatevers. or cornerback, yeah. one or the other, yeah. Like, at least, can you spin? <laughs> Didn't he say right after the game something like, oh yeah, I killed him. Yeah. Like, it was like, definitely past. turn your head for at least half a second <laughs> to look at the ball. And then they at least have, like, the refs have a reason to go, well, I mean, it looked like he was playing something. They have nothing. You gave no one There's anything. No, they just weren't looking Holy at shit. that side of the field. Uh, where the ball was going. Like, there's no... Uh, I don't want... Something that. happening in hockey by that comparison, and if it was the Blues or the Saints and yada yada, I'd be dead on the street. Imagine game six of the Stanley Cup of the conference finals. Yeah. Game seven, actually. And your guy is in on a breakaway, and friggin', I don't know, Mark Shifley dives behind O'Reilly and trips him up on a breakaway to the net, and they just don't whistle it. You're just yeah, like... just complete trip. <laughs> what yeah. happened there, ref? Oh, my God. Like, he blew a tire. Yeah, and then you lose, <laughs> and you get knocked out. Yeah. 
You know, you've seen this story before. <sighs> Classic blues style. So this is a situation where the Blues eked out a win at home against one of the league's weaker teams. But hey, you take them any way you can get them, especially when you're whatever the Blues are, which we'll discuss A-team. more later. <laughs> Uh, we talked a little bit about what is Vince Dunn. What is our defense? We're going to talk about that more later, Mm -hmm. so maybe we'll just shelve it for now. Ryan O'Reilly. Anything to say besides just weird semi-sexual noises? (laughs) (laughs) An (laughs) all-star. My man. Uh, Uh, what game? Just what a handsome. Oh, it was the... No, it was the Kings game. No, it was the Kings game. Yeah, Yeah, we'll 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 get get there. We'll get there. Oh, boy. Um, so the one bright spot in this game, well, I mean, apart from the win. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jordan Bennington looked real good, but Maroon, Pat Maroon, Pat, and no trick, just Pat Maroon, if you're looking him up on Hockey Reference, don't you dare type Patrick, um, looked pretty good. Uh, Craig Berube said he played a real good game all around, controlled the puck in the offensive zone. Every time he was out there, he was strong on it. I think he's played well for a while. A lot of times he just hasn't been able to produce. Well, Craig, I hate to second guess you, but producing (laughs) is a pretty significant part of playing well. But who am I to say? Uh, Ryan O'Reilly says, When he's on his game, he's passionate and huge for us. He's coming up big and teams can't contain him. He's a massive threat and it's nice to see him kind of get some confidence, making plays that he knows how to. He's going to be a big piece going forward. That's sweet. No, he's not. He's (laughs) definitely being traded and you're probably semi-consciously pumping the tires for that trade. Uh, Ryan, tell him Pat some (laughs) big piece. Everybody trusts you, Ryan. You're very trustworthy. Yeah, they trust you and your beard and Pe- your eyes. Peter's listening right now. Because um, this was pretty firing. Yeah. And it wasn't anachronistic, folks. I know what jokes I make. I know. He's well aware of the timeline in which these jokes occur. Um. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about Maroon a little bit more later, I think. He's on the agenda, but... I just, yeah. I mean, he's been better, but that's really not saying a lot. So the Blues played the King with (laughs) the Kings in Los Angeles on a Monday matinee. Which is odd because they're in Sacramento, the Kings. It was was an NBA joke. Don't worry. I got it. I was just worried because I was like, oh, no, I'm an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. No one here knows anything about the NBA. (laughs) Do any of you not know a lot about the Sacramento Kings? (laughs) My favorite team is... The Sunshine State Wimbleys. <laughs> yeah, I agree. The best. Mine my favorite team is the Rain City Bitch Pigeons. <laughs> um so yeah, they went with the same lineup as Saturday, which is a bold choice, first of all, because it meant scratching Joel Evans in two games in a row. Second of all, because we honestly did not play especially well against the Ottawa Senators, mm-hmm. considering that they're the Ottawa Senators. Uh Jordan Bennington was in net again. He's the starter now. He looked Tom Cruise. Jake, Tom, Tom Hanks, Allen in the eye and said, look at me, I'm the starter now. I'm the captain now. Bennington was in for the Suns game, right? I believe so, yes. Okay. That wow. would be three games. I didn't think about that at all when this occurred. Wow. Jordan Bennington. Maybe that's our deadline move. Maybe we trade Allen. with baby shark. 
Maybe we do. Maybe we buy them I out mean, over the summer. I mean, it's not going to be what I said. It's going to be what you said. <laughs> but maybe it's what I said. Hey. <laughs> but it won't be. Not Peter Shirelli slash not Wayne Gretzky. Let's make a deal. Oh, I was like, what? <laughs> well, Keith. Keith Gretzky. We'll rid you of that pesky three remaining months of way of Cam Talbot's salary if you rid us of the pesky three remaining years of Jake Allen's salary. <laughs> anyway, um, so the boys played the Los Angeles Kings. It was a Martin Luther King Day matinee. Thank you, Martin Luther King, for all you did for this country. Sincerely, wonderful, but please, no more daytime hockey for this team. Mm. I don't want to honor my own mother by playing daytime <laughs> hockey. So, with all due respect to Dr. King... And your mother. <laughs> my mother, please, only night games from here on forward. Um, <laughs> I only like the, the dark time ones. <laughs> Mackenzie Mc. It doesn't work. And McEachern <laughs> scored his first goal of his career uh, for Vince Dunn and Ivan Barbashev assists. Uh, he was the 2012 third round pick that came one pick after Jimmy VC by not the Rangers because that's not how he ended up there. Uh, it was a whole big thing if you weren't there. You miss. Check out our in-depth Jimmy VC episode. 2014 in-depth Jimmy VC podcast. Uh, McEachern <laughs> has a total of 61 goals in his seven seasons since being drafted, including the USHL, the NCAA, and the AHL. But hey, he has one in the NHL, and no one can take that away from him. Kudos to you, Mackenzie McEachern. And it was a nice little goal. He fought off a defender and knocked it into an empty net while going down. Good work. Oscar Sunquist, or should I say Oscar Godquist, scored his ninth goal of the season. No. I forced it. I forced Don't, you it. shouldn't say it. Um, <laughs> Ivan Barbashev and Petrangelo assisting. Um, it was kind of a sloppy play, but still good. And Sunquist got in the queer along with Barbashev, who made a nice pass, and he shot it and buried it with one hand on his stick, which Barbashev made the pass with one hand on his stick. So together, they had two hands on two sticks. Podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, I mean, what did you think about that goal? I was impressed. I mean, it was a, a face-off of win. You were you simple? <laughs> <laughs> it was a face-off win into a direct goal. I mean, when I was listening on the radio, they made it sound like it was boom, boom, boom. Face-off win and in, practically. Boom, boom, Gunnarsson. Uh, it was. Yeah, I mean, it was It was a nice goal. It was from one end of the ice to the other, but it was still a nice goal. Oscar Sundquist, like we mentioned before, is now like a legit threat to score. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't matter. We're not, not done with Sundquist yeah. goals. We're not Dunquist. <laughs> With Oscar Sunquist. Much better than Godquist. Well done. Vince Dunn. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. Tyler Toffoli scored his eighth goal of the season. Brendan Leipzig, who now plays for this team, assists. Not the Maple Leafs. Uh, the Kings won a face-off and got it in deep. Bennington played it behind, but not well. Uh, Barbashev giveth and Barbashev taketh away. <laughs> in this case, quite literally, as he botched a pass. 
slash a queering attempt from behind the net. Leipzig picked it up. Everyone chases Leipzig, including Petrangelo, to an embarrassing degree. And Toffoli is open wider than the Demogorgon's angry mouth. And Leipzig hits him for the easy-peasy backdoor goal. This must have been ugly, because you can tell how ugly something is by how descriptive I get about the goal. (laughs) So it must not have been pretty. There's no way it looked good. Um... But uh, Toffoli scores and gives the Kings, not a lead, a one-goal deficit. We went into the first intermission 2-1 to in this game. How the hell did I forget that? Um, <sighs> gives them a one-goal deficit makes it sound like he scored on himself. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what I said. Tyler Toffoli gives them a one-goal. You know what? That would be very Doc Emmerich. Well done. Tyler Toffoli gives them a one-door deficit. One goal deficit. One goal deficit. One less goal than the deficit they had before, which was double one. It was a two-goal deficit. <laughs> there were eleven. There oh, were God. twelve men on the ice, but the man wearing number eight made it two to one for the Los Angeles Kings in the rear. Oh, he would never. <laughs> I'd love him for a call from behind in the rear. They're coming in the rear. He probably has at some point. Oh. Uh, it was a pretty good period overall the shots were pretty even 14 to 13 kings nice to see mckkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkk
Everybody else has just been a real friggin' screaming eagle on this bitch. <laughs> Jay Bomeister really proved that there's only one direction to go, and that's up. And he's like, okay, that's all he's been doing. Um, he ran the numbers, and he agreed. He agreed, he's like, click, 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 click. He called his CPA, which is just himself. Yeah. Uh, but he puts himself on speakerphone sometimes, and he figured it out. It was Bluetooth. Uh, indeed, which he can get at the Apple Store on the Apple Campus where we are. Hey, Tim Cook. Anyway, Ryan O'Reilly scored his 18th goal of the season. Vladimir Tarasenko, Alex Petrangelo on the assist. Jumping Jehoshaphat, what a clapper. Was I high when I wrote these show notes? Um, I was not This with is why you. you need to write more show notes. Uh, the guys had nice crisp passing here on this power play uh, to draw the four defenders to one side of the ice. O'Reilly posted up back on the original side, and he took a beautiful shot that got over the one defender in his lane, a man by the name of Derek Forbort, which is an awful name, and it beat <laughs> quick. Good God, there is nothing this man cannot do, which is, I believe, when Joey Vitale said... And he ties it 3-3. If I wasn't married, I'd take a run at him. Here's Alexander Steen shooting the puck. <laughs> the Kings will clear it out. This one goes on. It's good to know, Joey. I appreciate the honesty, buddy. There's... <laughs> That's both. That's both just romantic. He's going to take a run at him, and also overtly sexual. (laughs) And I don't know if you can play that on KMOX. I don't know if that plays well. But they loved it. Take a run at him is just like like, whoa, Joey. What? No, that's great. It was a good time. At least they're having fun. I think Joey's actually settled in really well. It's like a uh, color commentator for Chris. He's not quite, obviously, as um, candid as maybe Kelly Chase Chase was, was. but I think he can either, A, get there. He's a lot of fun. Yeah, he's a lot more fun, and I think he's got insight maybe into, I like Kelly Chase, but Kelly Chase does go on Twitter a lot and do a lot of, like, just sort of not... He does a lot of you didn't hashtag play the game. Yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out. It was a lot more like you don't understand old-time hockey and it's kind of nice because Joey Vitale kind of understands new time hockey mm. a little bit more. Yeah. And so I think it's, it seems like a little more pertinent analysis, I'll say. A little more relevant analysis. I agree wholeheartedly. Now, if you could all pause a moment and remember my excellent Paul Ledoux transition from before, before we enter this next goal, I'd appreciate it. And Paul Ledoux <laughs> scores the uh, game-winning goal Later in the period, because I didn't write a timestamp, Brandon Leipzig, who still doesn't play for the Maple Leafs, and Tyler Toffoli, who still always played for the Kings, assist on this. Uh, It was a chaotic zone control for a while. The Kings got a couple of stabs at it. Leipzig eventually got control. Behind Bennington's right, passed across to Ledoux, left in front. Because he's horribly out of position, Steen's only option is to dive. It doesn't work. The puck caroms off his ass and beats Bennington high. Far side, Bennington once again is arguably too far out of his net. But with the deflection, what can you do? Thoughts on this (laughs) train wreck? Of a game. So aggressive. Um, it was bad. It was bad luck. I mean, I listen to all of this on the radio, 
And eventually they had Joey and Curbs were talking about how this team was just not fighting for the puck. Like, probably starting in the second period and through the rest of the game. Just looked completely lackadaisical. Defense chasing people, like we mentioned. I don't... I feel like they need to get two quick ones on any of them, score a goal, and then get another one. But it was always they scored, and then the Kings scored immediately. And then the Kings would score immediately after that. And it was just a constant fight to get momentum. Mm -hmm. And they never could recover. And it was a day game, and even though it felt like, well, it's like a mid-afternoon game for us, it was like 1 o'clock over there. So it's a true day game over in L.A. Um, I don't know. I never really felt like good about this game to start. Maybe because it was the day game. Maybe it's because we lost to L.A. last time, and that got Mike Yo fired. Craig Brube still around, so obviously losing <laughs> to L.A. isn't necessarily the magic bullet that gets a coach fired. Um our record, I don't... In fact, Craig Berube technically got promoted this week. See, yeah, there you go. Good job, L.A. L.A. is always <laughs> helping out in some always fashion. Always doing something related to our coach. You lost to L.A. We gotta do something. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Maybe it's because he's not secure enough in his position. You're coaching till the end of the year, Craig. Yeah, we fired the last <laughs> one and you're here forever. <laughs> so says L.A. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I mean, this was just the Blues losing in embarrassing fashion, dropping a second on the season to the worst team in the league. The defense was the culprit. Um, we are now, for those who haven't kept track at home, 0-2 against the worst team in the league, Los Angeles Kings, and 2-0 and against the Stanley Cup champion, Washington Capitals. Did I say Washington for both of those Los Angeles Kings? If I did. You all knew... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> ah, fix that in post. We don't have kings in D.C. This ain't a monarchy. <laughs> you knew that. Uh, Petrangelo was downright terrible in this mm-hmm. game. Agreed? Oh, yeah. Moving on. The defense was downright terrible in this game. Agreed? Oh, yeah. Excellent. Is Vinnington too aggressive? Generally, I don't think he's overly aggressive. I think he plays where he needs to be, like, on Maybe top of the crease. This... But this one, I think he... One of those goals, which one was it, where he's was almost looked like he was not even making the save. Yeah. It looks like he's trying to cut off the pass because he's so far out. Uh, I mean, I know he's not, but the way he's turned to face the shooter who eventually passes it behind him, mm-hmm. it totally looks like he's this weird third defenseman. Yeah, it's I like, think oh. that was the Toffoli one. Right? The he's like, yeah. he's, kind, he's just no, he's barely way... left the paint, and he's not even touching the post anymore. And I, I'm like, uh... I wonder, you know, for, for one thing, this is a kid in, like, his sixth NHL start. Oh, I don't blame him. I'm just thinking. Well, no, 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 yeah. no. But I also wonder if part of it is like he's he can just sense that the defense is shit on a given <laughs> night, and he's like, well, I got to overcompensate, and I'm 25 and in my sixth NHL start, so this is what I know how to do. Mm-hmm. Takes I, that last drag of a cigarette outside <laughs> and goes, it's Bennington time. It's game time, Ben. <laughs> uh O'Reilly had a five-game point streak here and 17 points in his last 14 games. At the time, the Blues did outshoot the Kings, uh, but were out-dueled in every other category. And they went on to play the Anaheim Ducks. I don't think we need to dwell here overly long because this was just... Oh, this is like... Not good. Let's talk about the Anaheim Ducks. This was roughly the equivalent of like... A world champion esports player and Street Fighter mm-hmm. picking up a controller against me. 
<laughs> and just be being like, I'm playing the game too, mm-hmm. but we're not playing the same <laughs> game. And it's really not even because he's so good at the game, although in this analogy he is. It's got a lot more to do with the fact that like I knew I learned how to do a Hadouken when I was six, <laughs> and I that's it. That's so yeah, at the beginning of the third round, you hit heavy punch a few times, and it looked a little scary oh, there. Oh yeah, he but was then, like, but then your finger got tired, and he beat the shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> he just e Honda a thousand hands slapped me for an entire round. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Bennington was starting yet again. He's the starter yeah. now, folks. Oh boy, you know Craig Peruby can say whatever he wants to say about even split. I also though do wonder if. Uh, Doug Armstrong did his cigarette outside the stadium and just said, no more starts for Jake in January. Ever. Ever. It's never happening again. (laughs) We're getting rid of that. If you start these guys equally, 50-50, then Jake Allen's not a starter. I mean, he wasn't before, because they've had to do this before with him. He wasn't when Chad Johnson was the backup, yeah, because but like, he wasn't an adequate NHL How many goalie. times have we had to 50-50? By given definition of starter, but yeah. yeah. How many times have we had to 50-50 deploy, you know, 1A, oh, 1B? Every time we had another yeah. confident option, that's how many times. So he's just not, he's so not, he's just a, not starter. a starter by, like, looking in the dictionary. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Sanford and Bozak were back in. Daniel Sprong unbelievably actually opened the scoring in this game. <sighs> oh, but who cares? This is one um, of those games, too, like, when you get score, some team scores first, and you're like, we'll say it's against the Blues like it was now, and you go, man... It's going to be one of those games, huh? And then it just flips and you go, oh, it never felt, mind. I, when I saw that goal, because I hadn't, I didn't get to turn it on yeah. right away, and I was like, oh, fun. We lose to the Ducks to enter a 10-day ga- break. It did not turn out This has happened way. equally. Like, I've seen the Blues do it, too, oh, yeah, where yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. ooh, two quick ones. I'm like, we look pretty good. And then it's like, oh, 6-2. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just not good. Um, Tarasenko got a nice goal. Uh, really had a lot to do with... Uh, a beautiful pass and battle behind the net with O'Reilly and Shin. Uh, but Tarasenko fired it into a virtually empty net for his 17th of the season, which don't look now, but that's like, I don't know, seven or eight in like a week, it feels like. It feels sad, but just get to 30. That's all oh, I'm asking. At this point, that's all I'm asking. Just do the it. The rest can be icing for the season. Either late in this period or sometime in the second, Schwartz hit the crossbar, which is another high danger chance for that we'll talk about that doesn't go in. <laughs> uh, the Blues <laughs> absolutely dominated even this period, yeah. despite the fact. I mean, I again didn't see the first maybe ten minutes or so, but the second half, despite the fact that. It was one-to-one. My God, the Ducks are bad, and my God, John Gibson's good, and that could be the title of the book about this season. (laughs) Um, Zach Sanford scored unassisted in the second period. It was a nice play by Maroon, uh, low to hold off Delzato and ship the puck out. He really should have gotten an assist here, and I meant to double-check to see if he did, but I doubt it. Anyway, Sanford uh, does a great move controlling the puck and scores. Oscar Sundquist follows that up five minutes later with his how many goals? How many? What what number was this, Ian? I'm just going to say ten, uh, and not in the way that you want me to nah, say ten. That's fine. That's fine. Um, Ian is really weirded out by the way they play ten for Braden Shin when he scores goals, which is an homage to the perfect ten WWE's own Ty Dillinger, which of course Ian and all 
regular Humans. people know, uh, but I had to look up. But I do my research, folks. Um, Ty Dallinger? (laughs) Sure. Sure. He's Canadian, so he gets it. Is he? Oh. Um, I think. I mean, I wouldn't know that off the top of my head. But anyway, (laughs) Pat Murren and Zach Sanford assisted on this one. Is there a WrestleMania? Wrestle what? What? Huh? Who would go to that? I don't even know. Um, they got there's this on this one. Uh, Raquel tried a backhand pass in front, but it failed because Edmondson lifted the stick. Otherwise, this might have been a duck goal. Sanford possessed. Maroon made an impl- an insane play across the defense, uh, holding on to the puck until he's at the goal, and then a sick backhand pass, and Sunquist buries that feed. Uh, absolute dominance again in this period by the Blues. My God, are the Ducks bad again? My God, is Gibson good again? If this wasn't the Ducks, I'd be worried that we didn't twist the knife enough with a 3-1 lead. But yikes. Uh, Tyler Bozak, who is back, scores his seventh goal. If we can credit it to him, (laughs) this was just a shitter that went off (laughs) of Richie's skate and possibly Pareko's, but I think it stayed with Bozak. Sammy Blay scored the fifth goal to put the, not even the final nail in the coffin, not even, he was like putting the flowers on the grave. It was, <laughs> it was nailed, it was buried, it was covered, It the grass had grown. This was less than 40 seconds later, too. Ten moons had passed, and Sammy Blay scored his second goal of the season, assisted by Mackenzie McEckern's first ever NHL assist and Carl Gunnarsson's fourth possibly ever NHL assist. <laughs> That's not true. I know. Boom. Boom. Uh, this was his five-game point streak, I guess. Or better, he's got six now. Um, yeah, I mean, the story of this game is that the Blues beat the absolute dog out of one of the genuinely awfulest teams in the league right now. I don't think I've seen a team play or just not play, I should say, like that ever. I mean, we must, we've seen the Blues do it this season, mm-hmm. but it somehow felt even worse than that. Just It was so awful. bad. That Sanford goal, like, good for Sanford for muscling his way in there and scoring, you know, kind of getting their one-on-one with Gibson and scoring... But man, they had like three Ducks players that could have done anything about him. And it's not like they couldn't reach him and they were lazy. They, they were already touching him. They didn't. Brace yourself. Give a quack. <laughs> you're welcome, America. No, um, don't laugh at that anyone. <laughs> if you laughed did. at that, you're dead to me. <laughs> Tweet us. Let us know if, if you're, you're dead, dead to, to me. <laughs> um, yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. We can talk about the Ducks a little bit, because that'll be fun. Uh, O'Reilly did, this was his 700th NHL game. He has 173 goals uh, and 298 assists on 471 points. You wrote all these things, mm-hmm. I think, so would you like to discuss them? Yeah, O'Reilly became the first player, well, you actually texted me this, to record his first 50 points of the St. Louis Blues franchise in 49 or fewer personal games since Craig Janney on October 29, 1992, with nine goals, 41 assists for 50 points and 36 games played. And Brendan Shanahan didn't even steal Ryan O'Reilly's wife. Yeah, so. not yet. <laughs> Watch out, Ryan. This is why, that's why he chose Janney's wife. Mm-hmm. 
It's like, <laughs> you, I had, saw... you had 50 points in 36 games, <laughs> and that's your wife? That's my wife that's now. My wife. <laughs> I saw a card of Brendan Shanahan in a Whalers jersey today at the hockey store, and I'd forgotten he was even ever a Whaler, so I should have gotten it. it was we different. got him from, I don't know if we got him directly <laughs> from them, but we also got Chris Pronger from the Whalers. Way to go, Hartford. Thank you. And then we had to trade Brendan Shanahan because the Blues can't have too much fun. Mm-mm. The league refuses. Well, that's really impressive. I mean, 50, 50 points in 49 games. Like you said, I haven't seen that in a long time for this franchise. I haven't heard that name in a long time. <laughs> uh, Sanford, Sunquist, Maroon combined for four points on the night. Two goals, two assists. They looked like a really good line. Hopefully they can stick it out together. I think Sanford's a big body. Obviously Maroon is. Sunquist plays pretty big. I mean, he's not even a small guy either. It's That seems like a meat and potatoes third line that actually has potential to score. So if they can keep that going, that'd be a great look. Uh, yeah, Ryan Getzlav, I like this quote. Uh, after the game, he said, I'm pissed off and frustrated, and it's really hard to understand that our group is in a playoffs race still <laughs> after everything, and we can't come I'm out. as confused as you <laughs> <Yeah>. people are. <laughs> He's like, how are we in a playoff race? It's like, we can't come out and compete hard around our own net. Uh, this is another good quote from Rube. Uh, bear with me. He says, when we come back, it's a grind. February is a tough month. A lot of games, a lot of road games. But we've been a good team on the road this year. If we play hockey like this, we're going to win our share of games. Going into February and March, things like 5-on-5 hockey, penalty killing, all that stuff is so important. You have to be really good 5-on-5. We have to go into the break, and going into February, we have to play real good defense, and we have to play hard. Might as well have just screamed hockey. For 10 seconds because he said the most hockey thing hockey! ever. Some of these quotes when we write them down are unbelievable. To and like, back. how, what were they saying? Like he says, we have to go into the break and going into February, like, and then yada yada. Yeah, you do have to go into the break. What are you talking about? Like, I don't understand. What's, what are you talking like, I about? I realize you're talking off the cuff. Yeah. But at the same time, so are we for the most part. And earlier parts of this podcast, notwithstanding, of this very episode, I mean, <laughs> I think we do it better than that. And I'm not even trying to pat myself on the back. When we preview what's coming up at the end of this episode, we're not going to say, so we have to live another week, and then we will do a recording, and then we will broadcast that recording, and play good podcasts. And it'll be. And it'll be. I'll just end with B. (laughs) I'm no English person, but I don't think you can say B and then period. I agree. Would you like to wallow in the duck's suffering for a moment? Yeah. Ducks are notorious for their feet moving a thousand miles per minute underwater. This is just a dead duck. (laughs) Bob Murray isn't moving his feet underwater. In fact, he's publicly saying he's not going to fire this coach. And I realize Randy Carlisle won a Norris Trophy. To quote (laughs) Ryan Whitney and his excellent storytelling on the Spittin' Chickwits podcast. Hey, watch this crossbar, and he'd hit the crossbar and be like, how many fucking Norris trophies you got? <laughs> I realize that he, has he won a Stanley Cup as a coach? No, 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 no. Oh, yeah, he did yeah, with the Ducks with the, the first ducks. time. How is your trigger so long? That's not the right analogy. How is your fuse so long with 
a coach that you've already fired. You fired him. You hired another guy. The most painfully adequate, quote, coach in the National Hockey League, who, despite his total inability to reach the second round of the playoffs, is still getting this festering carcass of a Minnesota Wild team to the first round of the playoffs. By God, is he somehow still doing that? I don't know how. There's no one on that team. Even the one guy who could score goals on that team, they shipped to Carolina. But... You fire Bruce Bruce Boudreau, and your thought is, we'll bring the last guy back. <laughs> and then he's still terrible, even though he won his Norris Trophy. <laughs> What's funny is he was still terrible in Toronto. I know! <laughs> it's not like there was justification between the two. He was who you thought he was, and you let and him off the hook. And you let him on the hook! And you put yourself back on the hook. You know what Ryan Gutslav should have said when they asked him about the playoffs and being in the race for the playoffs? Playoffs? Oh, my God. We're just trying to win a game. I would have paid him so much money to do that. Ryan Getzlav is the only person on that team who's not in his early 20s and or injured who is <laughs> worth a single solitary damn and he still has a minus 14. He still has only 33 points on the whole season. He's just that team is just awful and it's a testament to how top-heavy the Western conferences and how bottom-weak it is. It's like a pyramid that's upside down. <laughs> the fact that this team went on a 12-game winless streak and is still in a playoff position. How? Because their competition is the Edmonton Oilers and the Vancouver Canucks without Elias Pedersen. And the Arizona Coyotes without half their roster. And to be fair, us. And us. And the, <laughs> and the fucking horseshit Dallas Stars. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were about to say that about us. Like, whoa, and I'm if, down on this team, but I'm that down. If, if Arizona had even, not even like great health, but just like reasonable hockey health. Regular health. In this season, they would be astride the top of the Pacific Division. They'd still be below San Jose and Calgary, but they would look so far down their snouts, see what I did there, at the rest of this division. So proud this episode. I know. I'm very, I'm, I'm on a roll. That's you know? a sim. That's one of the seven deadly sins. <laughs> I thought you said that's a sim. I was like, well, then delete the door and watch me panic. <laughs> <laughs> I like to set mine on fire. <laughs> The Sims, the EA Sports game for torturing human beings. Yeah, that's pretty much Saw June here. The EA, the EA game where you treat the Sims like you would treat a real EA software developer if you were their god. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so microtransactions. There will be no ladder in this how pool. Is this for a microtransaction. <laughs> 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 Tornado through the house. Uh, <laughs> hmm. I, I, how how did this game not get Randy Carlyle? You're going into the break. 
you can still make the playoffs. It, it baffles it baffles me. You have the best goaltender, bar none. No question, there's not even a conversation in my mind, which is why he'll straddle the top of my <laughs> rankings. I use straddle a lot when I rewrite them for the hockeywriters.com this week. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's Tune in, right. Subscribe. A little bit of self-promotion there. Uh, They're wasting a really good year out of them. I mean, absolutely just wasting it. Yeah, it's... Uh, if, he was, if he was playing mediocre, they'd be dead last. By a wide margin. Oh, God. If he was just a human goaltender, mm-hmm. you know, they'd be the worst team in the league, probably. Probably, mm-hmm. literally. I mean, what we saw, that was the worst team in the league. Lose for Hughes. Yep. Actually, I can see, that looks like a, a Capo Caco team. Oh, yeah, get another big Finn on the Ducks. That's Yeah, that looks like that sort of team. You know how Randy Carlisle feels about Finns. Timu Solani asked him for his number, and he punished him for 20 years. Listen to the Spit and Chickwits podcast, everybody. Sponsored by New Amsterdam Vodka, as they would say. So, let's move on. We are not sponsored by We are them. not. We will so we will be. If, if you're listening, New Amsterdam, give us a call. Yeah, we'll do anything. No. <laughs> anything. We have not. absolutely no standards. Yeah, nothing. What, what, what would you like to talk about next? Hmm. That's cool. That's cool. That's a choose your own adventure <laughs> story. In the whole world of hockey, or really whatever you'd like to think of. Um, let's talk about. We talked a little bit in this Anaheim game. I thought Jaden Schwartz got his first goal in forever. I thought that Bozak goal was Jaden Schwartz's goal. It sure wasn't. And it blew my mind. It was like, no way. His first goal is going to be some ugly ricochet goal. And you can take him, take what you can get. But I'm like, that seems like not a. Uh, not a goal that starts a streak, if you will. But it wasn't. It was Tyler Bozak's goal. <laughs> that seems like not a goal that starts a streak, and it was not yeah. a goal that starts a Doc streak. Doc Emmerich, eat your heart out. So yeah, you wrote a thing about Jane Schwartz on your Thing website. Hey, I don't even have to do the Cena horn this time, because you just did that. Yeah, I mean, you can put it in. You you said it, I don't have to repeat it. Wait, wait, wait. But yeah, I mean... So Jaden Schwartz has three goals and what now eighteen assists in however many games he's played. <laughs> I've obviously wrote a very thorough <laughs> article. <laughs> That's, article. Uh, <laughs> That's how was, it starts. I was looking up other stats that you threw to me, and I was not prepared. He has. I, mean, uh, I could read your article. Do it. No, he has two goals, <laughs> four goal, three goals. God, I'm bad. Three goals, I believe, although this just says two. I don't believe it. And I do not. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's having a bad season on the page. I think we can say that effectively without <laughs> getting into the statistics. I'm looking them up. Right now, three goals, 18 assists, 21 points, 36 Whew. games. Phew! 55.1% is his Corsi 4 percentage. 55! He's still a possession beast. So, here's what is bad for Schwartz. He has 
as we said, 21 points in 35 games. He's a minus one. His current .57 points per game rate would be his lowest since his sophomore season. His shooting percentage is a 3.3 rate, which is insanely low. Um, And his career shooting percentage is 12 Point six. I think on his career, he has never played an 82-game season, but any season he's played, I believe it was more than 45 games, he has 55 or more points. Uh, and at the current pace, this will easily be the first season where that does not happen. But um, there's more than meets the eye with Schwartz, I think. Is he a Decepticon or is he an Autobot? Uh, he's an Autobot. No, he's a Decepticon. He's a Decepticon. You're right, you're right. Not even close. Not even a question. Uh, <laughs> St. Louis Blues history tweeted, 196 forwards have 75 or more shots on goal this season. 194 of those 196 forwards have four or more goals on the year. Jaden Schwartz, three goals on 96 shots is one of the two do- that do not. Colton Sevier with three goals on 86 shots is the other. So his luck, if you're willing to call it that, is reprehensibly bad. But it's even beyond that. So we mentioned that his Corsi 4 is at 55%, so that's actually better than his career number. His relative Corsi 4 is at 5%, which means that the team is pers- possessing the puck 5% better with him on the ice than without, which is a pretty substantial number. Mm-hmm. He's also getting more takeaways and drawing more penalties on average than he has in any season before. But the real thing that's amazing is that he has, according to Natural Stat Trick, which is where we go for all our advanced stats, or where I go at least for the most part. That sounds like a plug. He's generating, yes, but they totally sponsor us. They're very high budget. Um, (laughs) He's generating more high danger chances per game than he ever has, and he's helping the team dominate in that category. As a unit, the Blues are creating over 60% of high danger chances when Schwartz is on the ice. So they're limiting the team... Basically, they're getting six plus to every four Mm -hmm. that the other team gets when Schwartz is on the ice. And most impressively, according to Sean Sean Tierney at Charting Hockey, who you must follow on Twitter if you don't, he has almost nine expected goals on the season, 8.969, and just three goals on those expected goals. Uh, But what, just to give a point of reference... For that, Elias Pettersson has just over nine, nine and a half expected goals on the season and has 22 goals on the year. And uh, Tarasenko, at the time that I wrote this, had 15 actual goals on 15 expected goals. So you should at least have however many expected goals you Mm -hmm. have and probably more than that. So the metrics indicate with Schwartz, and I'm sorry for people who are not numbers people, the metrics indicate that he actually deserves to be doing so much better than he's doing. Mm-hmm. That he's actually, in some ways, having one of his better seasons. Um, I don't know what the explanation is, necessarily. I mean, Confidence. Be- confidence well, is definitely point, one. Confidence. confidence now is for sure part of it, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> I think it's also, I mean, it's just luck. You mm-hmm. know, luck screws some people sometimes, and if it does it in the right amount of, um, you know, if it does it in the right order, it can really make you look bad, even if you're not actually playing bad. Well, how many years do you look at other teams and go, man, that guy had a really off year this year, and the next year you don't talk about them at all because they're back to being what they always were, mm-hmm. you know? Um, a good, Maybe not the best comparison, but I think like there was a year that Corey Perry had like 30 goals, or he had like 28 goals. It was just a very low year for him, and people were like, well, what's going on with him? And then the next season he was fine, and he's slowly gone downhill now that he's getting older, but like no one talked about that after that. It's ever like you said, every so often you as a player are just gonna get screwed and it's just the right things happening in the right order. I mean, we started out we've kind of been a bad team all year, but we start out pretty bad, and that kinda of includes everyone on the team. And then he got hurt, then he was in and out. Now it's just a confidence thing. It's something that it just kinda of piles up, I believe. Uh if he gets one, I'm not gonna be the person that says, Oh, once he gets one, guys, look out, because here he comes. I think it's gonna take a little more than that. But I think you have two months for him to get, we'll say, hot for him. You know, warm. Productive, basically. And I think it's possible. And you definitely need that if you're going to be making a playoff run like I think this team hopes to. So I think, again, this team has been on the upward trend. And mm-hmm. you, like you said, a lot of those stats behind Schwartz make it look like he's probably trending up too. Or has looked pretty good ever since he's come back from injury. Um, I think production-wise is going to be where this team goes. There's yeah. a lot of players on this team, I get that. They can all score without them. But I think if you see Schwartz start to produce, you know, goal-wise, I think this team's going to be on the up and up for sure. Yeah, and I think just one last statistic that's kind of mind-blowing. His individual point percentage is 77.27. That means the percentage of points <clears throat> that the Blues score when he's on the ice that he has an actual point on. Mm-hmm. So at least gets an assist on or scores the goal. 77.27%. For frame of reference, our dear golden boy, Ryan O'Reilly, is at 80% even. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to imagine they ever score a point without. on the ice without <laughs> his help. So every, like literally everything suggests that Jaden Schwartz should be not just... Slightly better, but dramatically better than mm-hmm. he's doing. And I think, I th- I mean, it's starting to manifest in his confidence pretty clearly. But I wouldn't panic if mm-hmm. I'm a fan out there. And most of all, I certainly would not trade him right now or even consider trading him when his value is as low as it could possibly be. Oh, yeah, no. <clears throat> Unless somebody just gives you last season's fair value for him. I mean, he's extremely good. He was voted second most underrated player in the league by the NHLPA last year, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess we'll have that hopefully next year if they do that survey again, because I think they did it at they, the All-Star break. They got rid of it. They did? Really? No, just oh, okay. <laughs> um, But it would be like the NHL to be like, ah, oh, that oh, was totally. fun. 100%, Get rid of that. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just, I just wanted to read all that stuff because it fascinates me, and I'm hoping it will calm the fears of some folks who are out there thinking... Jaden Schwartz's career is over because it's just, I really could see him. He's not going to, like you said, he's not going to just go off, but I could definitely see him still getting 15 goals on the Mm -hmm. year just if his luck turns, you know, and he just gets hot enough to get to 15 goals and 
50 is 45 to 50 points. Mm. I'd say that's about, we've got 30 <coughs> something games left. So yeah. And if about he a does goal that, every three games. really be the engine that, as we've always said, drives the team. The, the, straw the drink that, stirs the that drink. drives the car. <laughs> What's the old, uh, there's a Steve Dangle one where he said something about, uh, what cave? What cave have they been under or hiding under? And it's like, what? No, that's like two different things. That's awesome. It's the same thing, but different. I'd have thought it's gone now. You can edit this part out. Don't edit this part out. <laughs> do it. Don't do, do it. it. Do I want it. Everyone to hear my brain fart. Oh, I always want to say, Jaden Schwartz. They tossed my line with Alexander Steen and Tyler Bozak. Um, during the Anaheim game, and then you're mad that he doesn't score, America. And you're, that's his. That's a supporting cast. How about you look at the cast, Tyler? I wish I was Patrick no Berglund. No Adams didn't win Best Actors, having to carry Adrian Brody and friggin' James McAvoy. God, that was. That's not a real movie. Oh okay. god, man! My the gears were turning. I'm like, what movie is this? Which one is this? It's the favorite. It's 100. percent It's the favorite. <laughs> That's a bunch of women, but you name two men. It's the favorite. <laughs> I want to see that movie. We're going to review the favorite next episode, folks. You want to learn about Victorian lesbians? Because you're about to. Tune in We're next week. We're all about to. I was going to say that Schwartz uh, line, <laughs> if we could. I really just want to get back to that. Oh, God. Okay. That was a real delayed reaction. Mm-hmm. But go on. You're dying. No, I think that's good to switch up the lines of them because they really just have him and Shen for forever. And uh-huh. it, I mean, it worked all last season. Uh-huh. I get it. But he's not working. No. So you got to change it. He's not. Just like the favorite. He's not Greg Berube's favorite. I'll tell you that much. Ooh. Okay. Hmm. Excellent. Shall we move on to another topic, please? Please sure. open up your green book and see what's Ooh, in there. I like how loose this is. We're just kind of doing just whatever. We're friggin' nuts today. Sorry, folks. Not sorry. But not sorry. Baby, I'm oh. sorry. I'm not sorry. I have a question if we're being all free and loose. I had a few different uh, players I kind of wanted to touch on here while we have like a little break. Um, Oscar Sunquist, we already sort of talked about. <clears throat> oh. Ten goals, six assists. Ten. <laughs> Jesus. Sixteen points in forty-one games played. I had him for ten points in eighty-two games played. So an amazing You had him for playing eighty-two games? Oh I got okay, that's right. Ten points in fifty-five I'm games played. Oh well let's lower that. Five points in <laughs> fifty-two. <laughs> Really? Let's let me think. On the season, what would make sense for him? Dead I w- to rights is what we had him. Yeah, not making it through the, the year. <laughs> Eastern, especially after the concussion. Yeah, no. Doesn't that seem so long ago? <laughs> I feel really bad thinking this when he got hit. I was kind of like, that really stinks, but also like not a player that's mm. going to really affect this team at all. Nobody's going to notice us. Yeah, I, I, yeah so I was like, so I was like, he's been scarred, and I'm like, well, no one's going to see your face on the screen, buddy. <laughs> But, boy, did he show us. You weren't much to look at before, Oscar. If he plays in the first game after the break, which obviously he will, um, barring a freak injury, he will have tied his career high for games played, which was last season. So he played in 42 last year. How many points do you think he had? Uh, He had six. One too high. It was five. Oh, that's That's pretty close. Yeah, what, what, 
literally what happened. Like I'm honest, I'm so happy about it. He's so much fun. We're all in his corner. But honest to God, what happened? Confidence. <laughs> I think that's the magic that's bullet. The answer. Folks. You want to know? Fake it you till remember, you make it. You remember Oscar Sunquist story? Remember when we were talking about individual point percentage? Yeah. You want to know Oscar Sunquist? Because it's 92.8%. Wow. Ain't nobody on the fourth line scoring if Oscar Sundquist ain't scoring. Um, his shooting percentage is elevated. It's at 17%. But yeah. it's not... I mean, that's... 14 wouldn't be crazy for... Especially no. someone that shoots as little as he does. So that's not insane. He's created 24 high-danger chances... But he had 20 last season in 42 games, so that's not super spiked or anything. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just... His assists, four of his five assists are primary. He's just not doing it. He's got 10 takeaways to three giveaways. He has 40 hits, which I didn't even know about. Yeah, he lays the body. He's just... What a find. What a strange... I know. What a weird diamond in the rough. Like, and and look, he's never going to be more than, like, a decent third-line yeah. hand. But he was the decent third-line hand that was a throw-in to an already lopsided Ryan Reeves trade. Mm-hmm. And kudos to Doug Armstrong and Bill Armstrong, who had this guy scouted and wanted to draft him when he was... In the draft, and then, you know, asked for him in this trade. Just, they saw something that no one in the league seemed to, and, and kudos to them. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm very interested to see where this goes from here. The rest of the season, but also just next season, things like that. I don't know if this is, this might be a high for him, but I think he definitely has the confidence now gained to be able to definitely be like a third, fourth line tweener that sticks on this team. And then, like we said, isn't just the in the um, circle of bodies anymore. We've kind of gotten rid of that, thankfully, a little bit. Although, someone who has entered the circle... Speaking yeah, of the circle of bodies! The thing we got rid of that actually we didn't get rid of, Robbie Fabry. Oh, that's not where I thought you were going, but true. Definitely true. What? I was going to say, what an interesting <laughs> season he's had. What? But it's not, <laughs> it's not really interesting because nothing's really happened. I don't think he looks like a bad player. He doesn't look the same, which makes sense given all the injuries and repeated injuries. What's the future there? I don't want to, I'm not trying to pat us on the back. But we tried to warn y'all. We really did. <laughs> and I don't think there, I mean, there's, I, there's definitely not one here. Right? That's I'm not what I'm tra- There's definitely not one here. We do not, if we want to contend, we do not have the space. He deserves, what he deserves is to eventually get consistent time on a top or second <laughs> line. Mm-hmm. And we don't have that form here right now. Or anywhere close to it. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got... I mean, if if we clear out some of the bodies that are here now, we got Thomas and Cairo and eventually Costing going up into those lines. We just don't have the space for it. I think that dude needs a trade. You gotta mm-hmm. get just somewhere. And if I was... If I was Keith 
Kachuk Gretzky, whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> if I was the new man in charge of the Edmonton Oilers, I would be calling every day. That's a speedy winger. You need people who can skate with Connor McDavid, and you need people who can score. And you were relying on Ty Ratty before, and Robbie Fabry's ten times the player Ty Ratty ever has been. I would be calling, and if I was Doug Armstrong, I'd be saying, okay, give me Jesse Pouillard-Harvey, <laughs> because you want to take our struggling young prospect, and they won't give him to you, but yeah. you got to start somewhere. You start there, but I also think, I don't know, maybe it's... You take a third That's what I'm going to say. Maybe it's... I'm not saying let him just have him for free, but I also don't think you should... You're necessarily going to be like, oh, no, 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 we need, we need a big chunk coming back for Robbie Fabry. Be, be a little Maybe nice to the, the kid, right and you just go, that's what I mean. Be a little nice to him as a person and be like, we're going to get you a spot somewhere else. Hey, Edmonton, like you said, spot us a fourth. Mm-hmm. Like, just because we know, what are you going to say? Honestly, someone said he's got a lot of value. Like, point to stats. Point to, point to what stats? Like, rookie year stats from 15, 16? Three years and two knees ago <laughs> and so yeah that's the thing some i read someone on reddit go well you it's what else is he supposed to do he has been injured for like two years and yeah. they go yep and that's and that's why they're not gonna pay a lot look you're not gonna get a lot for Abby fabry that's too bad so sad but be nice to the kid and give him opportunity like steven said it's not here It'd be cool I'm if not, it was. I mean, Oscar Sundquist, it fucking prove me wrong. That's totally fine. I have nothing I would against love Robbie nothing Fabry. Nothing more than to see Robbie Fabry take off for this team. But, but Barube and this coaching staff don't seem to see it with him. You know what I mean? Like they they move people in and out. They scratch people here and there. But Fabry seems to have been consistently. You have scratched. any idea how much he's been scratched lately? Because I have. He hasn't played the last two games for sure. Yeah. Maybe even three. And if he is, he's playing on the fourth line, third line, yeah. limited minutes. I mean, and that's just not... Maybe it's nursing another injury, he's small, but I don't know. He's probably not still super confident. Mm-hmm. That's not where you want to play him. You know, it's just not good. Uh, speaking of, what did you call it? The pile of bodies. <laughs> <laughs> the circle of the bodies. Circle. It's like the, like the rotating <laughs> in and out. But yeah, sure. A pile. Uh, Pat Maroon. You want to talk about him for a minute? Yeah. This is kind of along the Jaden Schwartz topic. Uh, Pat Maroon, four goals, 10 assists, 14 points, and 41 games played. I uh, was been scratched a couple times, been put down on the fourth line. You know, kind of had a much more of a journeyman role here than I think some people expected. Although, actually, I remember some people kind of calling less me, like, I don't know if Pat Maroon's going to be what they, what people think he's going to be. Um, I saw a lot of people hot taking the well. He only played with Connor McDavid, oh, but yeah, this yeah. is not that. Folks. No, but just for stats, he's at five point nine percent in his shooting percentage, which even for him, who's like a guy that's not necessarily an amazing goal scorer, that's pretty low for him. And then he also has a ninety four point four PDO, which is a measure of more or less luck for a player. It's their shooting percentage combined with the save percentage of their team while they're on the ice, and it's. If it's over 100, it should be around 100 if there's, like, no luck involved. Over 100 by a little bit means they're a little more on the lucky side. Under 100 means that's a little more on the bad luck side. And his right now is a 94.4. Dude's on the bad luck side. Yeah. I've, I'm starting to like his game. I think someone got in his ear again, I don't know if it's Barube, someone on the coaching staff, and told him, I know you're not the fastest player, but, like, 
can you try to skate? Because it seems, because I, I mean, seriously, it used to look like he didn't, and now it looks like he's at least putting forth the effort. And I would say, like, dude, you're a big enough body that just skating at someone with speed has, makes them make a decision. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you finish a check or, you know, you get the puck turned over, it's it, you're in someone's face. I don't necessarily need him in front of the net screening anyone. It's not, that's not... That's a role people want him to do. It's a role maybe it was even brought here for. I'm not dying on the blade saying you have to. You ha- That has to be his role. But you need to be effective 5-on-5. Five five. I think that's a bigger deal for me. Use him on the power play to stand in front of people. But like 5-on-5, five five, you can't just be a nobody. Mm-hmm. And I think he's starting to show that he's a little bit of somebody. Maybe maybe it's because we're getting towards the, de- or the uh, trade deadline here. I don't know if he's still blue after February 25th. Honestly, flip a coin for me. I could see us keeping them just for the rest of the year. I could see him easily going somewhere for uh, fourth. You know, even I'll take. Yeah, I was I was about to say third, and I was like, "Ooh, that's that's rich people money." (laughs) Um, I will point out. I do just want to say, since we've been on the theme, individual point percentage for this guy twenty nine. That is inconscionably low. That is. I would have a higher individual point percentage if I knew how to skate and was allowed to suit up with an NHL team. That's impossible. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it really is. Uh, some of it's bad luck. Some of it's laziness, I guess, for lack of a better word. I wonder if maybe his back is has been or was or is more hurt than he let on mm-hmm. when he got the off-season surgery. I mean, it's a lot of different things, but it's not great. Um, why don't you talk about Joel Edmondson a little bit? <laughs> that was a terrible transition. <laughs> you know, Joel Edmondson had a back injury a long time ago. Oh, I'll just skip back. <laughs> you know who else had a back injury a long time ago? Was Joel Edmondson. Talk about him. Well, my question more to you is, have you seen anything with Joel Edmondson's game that made you think he needed to be scratched? For no, two straight games? Certainly not. I didn't really either. And I should say no more than any other crappy defenseman on our team, which, and I'm being very inclusive, has been all of them at one point or another this year, really. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was just a victim of the Craig Bruby spin the wheel and see what player gets scratched game. Uh, it seemed like it should have been Vince Dunn for a while there, and then all of a sudden he was like, ha ho ho, it's, it's Joel Edmondson. He, well, that's not Vince Dunn. And then he sat him through two games in a row, and it just seemed a little confusing. I don't think it means all that much, but I was just thinking, what's your read on Joel Edmondson's game this year? I, th- I mean... It's not been flawless. It certainly hasn't been flawless. Mm-hmm. The... Team, we were talking earlier about how every defender on this team will be amazing some games and total crap Yeah. the other games. I think he's been less that than anybody, honestly. I think he's been consistently okay, you know? I mean, he's sure, sure he's had some really blundering plays. Who hasn't mm-hmm. on this blue line? But, like, he's the only, and I, I really don't, I don't buy into this as much as other people do, but he's certainly the only defender outside of like Bortuzzo who has any aspect of physicality to his game. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, you know, Bomeister 
playing how he is right now, maybe this isn't true, but he should be your left-handed defenseman number one of the future. I mean, you need someone else should be your number one, <laughs> but of the people you have in the organization right now, he's the one that yeah. you're hypothetically going forward with. Um, so it's just, yeah, I mean, I just don't think he's been very bad this year, and I don't really understand the decision to scratch him twice, especially for, I mean, Gunnarsson was on a heater, Mm -hmm. but Vince Dunn was, like you pointed out, was terrible a couple of those games, and they say, you know, oh, it's a hard decision who to scratch. It really is like the big wheel. Mm-hmm. And then the decision... <laughs> That's like a gift. It's a hard decision to figure out who to scratch. I, how am I to decide? Yeah. Spin and, the wheel. And then the decision of like, well, we have to keep the same group in mm-hmm. for... After the Ottawa game, it was like nothing about that game said you had to yeah, keep the same group Because in. of the dominant 3-2 win over a crap team, yeah. Lou Korak was asked about this, and so the guy said, what has he done to be on Barubi's bad side? Isn't the team planning on him being a staple for a while, hence the year's bridge deal? And he said, they want to see him more engaged, but knowing full well what kind of a game they were getting today, meaning uh, the Kings game, this would have been a perfect spot to get him back in. I could see... This game lighting a fire under Edmondson, I haven't felt like his play wasn't up to par. Um, I don't, I don't, it just seems random to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't, so, you know, I don't know what the plan is for left handed defensemen. He's probably not an adequate number one. I think there's a case that the Blues should target Jake Gardner in the offseason. A lot of defensive problems there, as Toronto will not hesitate to tell you, but he would pretty immediately be our best distributing defenseman Mm -hmm. and our best left-handed defenseman. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's just... I just don't get it. I just don't get the decision to set him. Do you have any strong feelings? Not really. I mean, I understand that everyone on this defensive core has been pretty poor this year. Seemed kind of out of left field just because I didn't think he looked that bad. Um, Just seemed like a weird coaching decision. And I'll try and walk us there. An interesting coaching decision for a coach that will be here the rest of the season. Yeah. It was announced... This week, earlier mm-hmm. this week, Doug Armstrong said that Craig Berube would be the coach for the rest of the season. I don't think that was necessarily surprising. I kind of just assumed that, you know, at this point, especially we're entering February here, and it's like, well, yeah, I didn't think you were just going to replace him with two and a half, less than two and a half months left at this point. Um, what do you think about Craig Berube moving forward with this team? I'm glad you asked. Can I make a point about our defense real quick, though? Yes. Okay. I thought about it, yes. (laughs) I just wanted to say that I think we're coming on to a pretty significant transition for the defense. Another article I wrote this week, not a big deal. Um, But you look at this team, these guys have all arrived and then carved out a permanent spot. Petrangelo played 
his first real season, 79 games in 10-11. He was amazing. They traded for Bomeister to get him a partner in 12-13. When they tr- made that trade, our decor was Petrangelo, Bomeister, slash Leopold, slash Ian Cole. Wade Redden played a significant number of games that year. Roman Polak, Chris Russell, Barrett Jackman, and Kevin Shattenkirk. In 14-15, before the year, we added Carl Gunnarsson, and then during the season, we traded Robert Bortuzzo, Petrangelo, Jackman, Bomeister, Gunnarsson, Bortuzzo, slash Cole, uh, Shattenkirk, and Michalik, slash Butler, slash Pateri Lindbaum. And then in 15-16, Pareko and Edmondson arrived, uh, and then Dunn arrived, obviously, last year. So really, since 15-16, there's been no new... I, I'm obviously done, but he's been mostly like a third, second-line guy. There's been no new rotation on this defense, especially since then. You're looking at Gunnarsson and, Petr- and Bomeister both being free agents. I don't think you bring either one of them back. There's an argument that Bo Meester's played so well and you're so possibly thin on left-handed D that if he wants another year, maybe you say, sure, if you'll sign for $3 million or whatever, but I don't want to... I'm not giving him any term. I'm not taking a chance. And I'd rather not do it at all. So, But there's at least an argument for that. I think Gunnarsson walks. He's been too hurt. Um, but who's the replacements? Well... I'm funny, you should ask. One of them better be on the market. By the we way, we don't have two spots. Carl Gunnarsson. So, another thing I did during this research was look up how many games of their potential games that they've played, what percentage. So, mm. in his now decade, basically, here, Alex Petrangelo has played 95% of all the games he could have played as a blue. Mm. Uh, Jay, and most of the marks against him are just that one. Hand, in, hand injury this season. Jay Bomeister had 85%, and Carl Gunnarsson had 71%. And Colton Pareko has missed four games in his entire career, which I thought was interesting. Edmondson's been hurt a lot, too. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so on left hand, we've got Scott Perunovich, who I think is going to be really special, but I don't know if he's ready to jump into an everyday NHL role next year, and in fact, I bet against it. We've got Jake Wallman. I don't know what he is. I don't know what the team thinks of him. I liked him a lot in Traverse City. He looked really good towards the end. He had a little bit of that psychopath in him, that Cam Jansen I don't special. Think, despite all what we said like two years ago, I don't think he makes this team. I, I think he'll get a game at some point yeah. or two, but yeah, I don't know if he's special. Um, Mikola is... I think maybe a righty. I think he's a lefty. Lefty, but he's also probably third. I forgot line. about Mikola, though. You're right. Um, Ranky? Sure. That's why I'm, well, like, I'm none saying. None of those guys can be more than You've, a, 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 in a pinch a second line guy. Yeah. Perunovic could be special long term, but it's real long term still. And. They're all left-handed defensemen, mm-hmm. so they can't all be the third-pairing left-handed defensemen. I think they're going to bring back Gunnarsson or, or um, Bomeister. And now both of them, I think, should be for or, for probably less money and just less term period. Very A very short-term, one-year contract, especially for Bomeister. But I, I think we got too many holes if we let both of them go. 
quite yeah, honestly, see, unless you the, have a surprise or you get a, you know, you sign one, you get a UFA guy. Yeah, but that's see, that's the move I really don't like, just because it's. I think there needs to be some shake. As much as I say, well, it's kind of scary that this yeah. could all be coming. The other thing is, Petrangelo and Pareko are not both here long term. Maybe you extend Petrangelo and hold Pareko until towards the end of his contract, which gives you like two or three more seasons with both of those guys. But there's no, same as Shattenkirk, there's no way you're keeping both of those guys past the point that Pareko needs his extension in 2022, I think, 2021. So you got to figure out which one of them you're keeping. You got to figure out which one. Not which one of those two, but whether Petrangelo is the captain that you yeah. want or not. But you can figure that out in a vacuum. That's between those two. Yeah, but it's part of the bigger defensive picture. Well, I know, but if you're trying to solve left, I'm trying to solve left side. Well, left side you've got Dunn. You've yeah. got Edmondson, who the team doesn't trust and is in a weird contract situation. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you've got a vacuum. And my argument is you don't have a first pairing left-handed defenseman anyway so you bringing back Bowmeister Gunnarsson maybe if they sign for cheap you do it to have support but I still think top pairing left-handed defenseman is argue I mean goaltending obviously but whatever you can do there it's arguably one of your biggest priorities this mm-hmm. summer what's well, fine you can go get a UFA for that because I don't really and that's why, I mean, I do like Gardner. I don't know what he signs for, but he bring he brings you a lot of what you already have, which mm-hmm. is occasionally really sloppy defense. <laughs> but he also brings you a power, you know, a point-creating yeah. defenseman that you don't really have yet. It'll be interesting. I think there's a lot of competition on that side. As much as I like Dunn. Yeah, but again, at the bottom of that side. Well, no, that's know? what I mean. Is like It's kind of like the circle of bodies again for the left side. There's tons of them. I don't, some, hopefully someone rises out of there, but you, I don't think you can bet on it. I don't yeah. think you can go into the season and go, ah, someone will figure it out. And the thing is with Edmondson, um, I just don't, he's not a first line guy. Mm-hmm. I've said that forever, even when I was higher on him than I am right now. And I'm not, you know, I think he's fine to be in today's NHL, but he's not like the speed mm. that you need to keep up with the top players in today's speed league. Speed you need. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just going to be interesting to talk about going forward. Do you have anything else? you Oh, you wanted to talk about Veruvi. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, I sidetracked us. But I remembered. <laughs> um, so, we're... Over You're enthused. The, we're over the two-hour mark. I apologize. It's my fault. But that's right. We'll audible. We're gonna audible the other stuff. Okay. Well, we can do that next week with our friend anyway. No, oh, teaser. Um, but yeah, we can close with a, a conversation about Veruvi. In the abstract, I don't care that they named him the rest of the season coach because I was assuming that at this point anyway. Mm-hmm. But it worries me because. <laughs> The rest of the season coach is just a hop, skip, and a jump away from rest of the coach, 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 permanent head coach, and I don't, I'm sorry, I'm making that noise a lot. I don't have a, a real problem with Craig Berube. He hasn't done anything that, like, upsets me. The team seems to like him more than Mike Yo, mm-hmm. but he, I 
if you're Doug Armstrong, have some damn more self-respect than to sign the person who is definitely your last Blues head coach. Mm-hmm. Barring a Stanley Cup win, you know, barring a, a deep, deep playoff run. Definitely your last Blues head coach. Just have some more dignity than to hire yet another guy who was bounced out of yet another crappy organization after yet another disappointing run as head coach. And at least with Yo, I mean, granted, Yo was the coach in writing, but at least when Yo took over, the team just 180'd right away. Mm -hmm. You know, at least that season there was a clear argument for like, oh, this is a whole new team under Yo. I'm not can I I could not tell you what percentage of the Blues turnaround this season is anything that Mike Yo couldn't have done on the same timeline. I think as much as we were right to fire Yo when we did, I'm not second guessing that. We probably underestimated how brand friggin' new the team was. We talked about it coming in, and then we were excited, and then it was just awful. Yeah, but they shouldn't have been that They bad. shouldn't have been. No, 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 no. Again, they should have fired Yo. All I'm saying is, I'm not sure, Bar- I think Baruby's yeah. better than Yo was, but we're still talking just 500. Oh, I got you. In 15, a, 12, and 5. In a vacuum, 15, they could have just done this on their own without some ran new coach. They would have just figured it out on their own. Yeah, and so my thing with Baruby is if you get to the end of a real coaching search and you really believe he's your best option, fine. That's your bed and you made it, so live under a rock, <laughs> as they say. Well done. But <laughs> don't have the search. Have the conversations. Don't be like one of those kids I, that says they're looking at a bunch of schools, but they're really just going uh-huh. to Mizzou. Yeah. Ex- <laughs> look very at, good look at all the schools. I had this problem with the Cardinals last year, too, because it's like, I like Mike Schultz. The team's better under Mike Schultz. You're the goddamn Cardinals. Have some goddamn <laughs> self-respect and go interview everybody. And then if you want Mike Schultz, fine, but then you'll know. I always think that. I'm like, he's right there. I mean, I get their intro. And this is always this talk of like, well... The Reds could swoop in and hire Craig yeah. Berube. No, they couldn't. And I did say Craig Berube on purpose, just for the record. Hire Mike Schultz or, you know, the Red Wings could swoop in and steal Craig Berube. Yeah. He's not going to move his shit just at the first opportunity that comes his way, you know? Mm-hmm. Just do the do the thing. Do the thing you said you were going to do. Have a real search. If Quinville won't doesn't want to come here, if somebody else pays Sheldon Keefe more, if whichever of the hunters is the coach doesn't want to come here, if you can't get that dude with the righteous beard from Sweden or he doesn't interview well, great. Baruby is an adequate option that will keep your team semi-relevant. <laughs> Ah, uh, the Blues. Striving for <laughs> semi-relevancy. That could be their entire franchise's <laughs> yeah. slogan. An adequate option that is semi-relevant. <laughs> but as I kind of said, we were texting about this last night or recently, and I kind of said the thing about hiring a coach that's not Craig Berube is that he will either make this team better or worse, and I think both are preferable. Mm -hmm. To me, the worst, I do not want to watch 
five more years of first round exits. I don't care. Yeah. I would so much rather just be dog shit. I really would, and I know no one agrees with me, and that's fine. But at least if we're crap, I can get so hyped on Traverse City, and I can get <laughs> so hyped on the prospect, and I can believe that there's a future, just like we all believed when Bacchus and Oshi and Piran and all those guys were pups. We were so high on our future, and it was great. And those guys were a real core of that team for a decade or so and took you as high as the team has ever been. Still not very high, but, you know, as <laughs> close to as high as the team has ever been. <laughs> so I would rather be in that scenario than just be a 14th place finisher, first round victim of the Jets or Predators or avalanche who are going to be scary good in a few years or flames or whoever you know i don't know where do you stand on it i've really talked for too long and i apologize good (laughs) (laughs) um you should apologize yeah i mean i'm with you that i don't think craig brub is the real option for this team moving forward if they pick him, then, that, like you said, last coach for Doug Armstrong. Any coach he picks, I think, is going to be the last coach. I think Craig Brube has to get this team into the second round, and they have to look very good for me to go, yep, Craig Brube is it. Even just me, I saw people say, if we make the playoffs, he turned it around. He deserves to be the coach next no, year. I'm no, like, no, no, no sir. No, 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 no. No, sir. If we make the playoffs and have a seven-game series against the Jets, I'm still going to no, say no. No, I'm no, still don't say no. settle. Don't That's what I mean. Listen, settle. Listen to that statement. We have a seven-game series against the Jets. You lose, and you go, that's a good, that's our coach. You're like, no, it's not. I, I'm mad at myself for thinking that. Kurt, I, I think it was Kurt Price who said this. I've thought it for a long time. Somebody on Twitter we talked about a couple weeks ago said, when is this team going to start, when is this fan base going to start demanding excellence? And that's what you have to do. Don't settle for Craig Berube. We know how that works. The Philadelphia Flyers he coached were a very similar team to ours. Mm. Great offensive talent, questionable defensive talent, no goaltending. <laughs> they were strong in his first year, really strong. They were real bad in his second, and he got fired. That was the whole story. Don't frigging Settle, especially when they're, you know, I I don't know that Sheldon Keefe is the coach of the future. I don't know that, um, what's his name with San Diego? What's his, oh, Dallas Eakins, yeah. is that it? I don't know that he's the coach of the future. Maybe uh, our guy in San Antonio, maybe that's the guy you want. Drew Bannister. But don't, just... Stop hiring retreads. Stop doing it. And give yourself a chance because maybe it blows up in your face. But At least you tried. Is there any world... Here's the question you should ask yourself for every move if you're the Blues. Can I see this leading to a Stanley Cup? If you can't, don't do it. And I know that's a little black or white, but if you... If you can see Craig Berube holding the Stanley Cup for this team, you are a lot more optimistic than I am. <laughs> and it's not a shot at Berube. I like him. I think he's been fine. 
But that's the thing. There are a lot of fine coaches in the NFL. There's only one Bill Belichick, you know? Mm-hmm. You got to find the Bill Belichick before everybody else does. Because when they have him, unless they're the Browns, they're not letting <laughs> him go, you know? So do it. Go get it done. And don't settle and demand excellence. Are there anything else? Truculence. Truculence. And you also need to be truculent. Excellent. Do we have anything else to say? I've got some things to say, but oh, do, you? do we have what, what else? kind of things do you got to say? Just wrapping up and okay. previewing things. The Blues have, and we'll just say it next week too, because we won't have played any more games. Have I believe thirteen games when they come back before the trade deadline. Uh, it's thirteen games in about twenty-four days, I believe. All the weekends are back-to-backs. This team needs to go eight and five or better. If they go seven, if they go seven and six, you go. That's a winning record, and not good enough. Your month is over. You had your chance. The good old Doug Armstrong. The team tells me what to do at the deadline. I don't tell the team. Eight and five or better. That's my line. Yeah, I think it's doable in the sense that we play and, really well against good teams, and we're playing good teams. And the extra thing is, like, if you sneak into the back end of the playoffs because this conference is shit this year, not the, I mean, the top part, yeah. the part that will murder you in the first round, very <laughs> the top good. Half. But the bottom part, the bottom half, not good. <laughs> and if you sneak in because the you're slightly better than the other dog shit no. teams in the bottom half, don't be fooled. <laughs> Don't fool yourselves. It's the same. We fooled ourselves in the yo year. We fooled ourselves into thinking Jake Allen was a great goalie, and we fooled ourselves into thinking Mike Yo was a great coach, and we fooled ourselves into thinking we didn't need major help. Did people really? Did we do anything after that season by way of addition? A uh, Shen, I guess that was. Yeah, the Shen I would say. Did anyone? I'm sure people did, but I don't remember personally after Allen stood on his head against the Wild, and then we looked just bleh against Nashville, like, that didn't feel like a second-round exit. It felt like a first-round exit immediately. I mean, we didn't, look, we didn't look like a good team against either team. We really weren't a good team yeah, against no, either we team. we were terrible against the Wild. It's kind of weird that that happened and then nothing happened. really changed. Like, I mean, like you said, Braden Shen, there's been moves, but it's like, that wasn't like a signal, like, this team's still bad. And they're yeah. like, no, I think they're good now. I'm like, no, they're not. Yeah. Um... Yeah, no, I agree. If they just back into it, I think the Wild a few years ago did that. They literally were like in a race to lose with the Avalanche, and the Avalanche just kept losing. So the Wild were then thrust into the playoffs, and it was like, oh, we are not supposed to be here. Uh-huh. So yeah, if you're going to go in, go in hot. At least it's fun then. At least you go, ooh, anything can happen. Ooh, the Kings of 2012, ooh, anything can happen. I mean, it won't happen, but anything can happen. <laughs> Jordan Bennington could be Jonathan yeah. Quick. Who knows? Um, oh God, <laughs> don't make me think of that. Yeah. So they just, there's a, a lot of work ahead. There's a lot of games, very little time. They you just got to be a good team now. You can't be okay. You got to be a good team. Good team. Good hockey defense. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think with all of that said, we want to be, I mean, we, we didn't end up on a positive. I, know, I never wanted us do. to. Uh, we're playing better. We're trending better. We're, we're stats doing look good. better at all, as a whole. There are a lot of stats. If you do yourself a favor and check out some of those Sean Tierney at Charting Hockey tweets because he has incredible 
um, stats about the Blues and the track, the the graph especially that I know we've retweeted and I can retweet again of the uh, expected goal differential yeah, like for this team is just like now. a. It's like a parallel lines with just a break in the middle. <laughs> one of them is scraping along the bottom, and one of them is just riding along the top. Um, and it's, you know, just like middle of December, it was just like we flipped a light switch on. So there's a lot of good things to be excited about. Um, remember to reach out to us and uh, hit us up on Twitter if you want to be part of the Trivia Night. Uh, and we will play ourselves out to the beautiful dulcet tones of our new winning game-winning song, Dion's Run Around Sue. Thank you, everybody, and good night. Good night. Keep away from a run around Suey. Yeah.